On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we're staying up late with the cast of Mike Flanagan's latest horror in the Midnight Club on Netflix, mixing it up in Bombay with Charlie Hunnam in Shantaram on Apple TV+, and getting embroiled in marital strife with Celine Buckins in The Ex-Wife on Paramount+. And speaking of which, Celine herself joins us this week to talk all about the show. But that's not all, because the season finale of Bad Sisters is upon us. And Sharon Horgan stopped by the pod as well to tell us all about that. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your weekly guide to every show that matters and a podcast that is still trying to keep up with the recent naming of three new shows in the Walking Dead universe, something we'll get onto a little bit in news, but who would like to suggest at least two more. Firstly, a tale of one man's struggle against a football team full of reanimated corpses, a team even more zombified, in fact, than Arsenal were during the beginning of the 2020 to 2021 season when they lost five of their opening 10 games, but not nearly as dead as their 1992 to 93 season where they ended 12th in the division and sounded the death knell for George Graham's tenure. It's Boyd, he's coming for your brains, Hilton. Wow, you've blown my mind. <laughs> is this my other podcast? It's like a crossover at last. It is. It's the conjunction Pilot of the spheres. TV meets Footballistically Arsenal. Do you get trolled on that as well? Uh, as well. <laughs> um, no, everyone respects my views. And no, I get trolled a bit. God, that's incredible. Funnily enough, on the walk here to the studio, there's loads of Bodo Glimt fans um, who are a Norwegian team right. who we're Arsenal playing tonight, this very evening. And um, I, I took a picture of them. I'm is it yellow? Do they wear yellow? yellow? Yeah, oh, was, I saw them. Yeah. I saw if you them. See, yeah. Mm. So you will see, if you see literally hundreds slash maybe even thousands of, um, uh, of people dressed in yellow hoodies, that is the Bo- Bodo Glimp. Is, isn't Bodo Glimp a character from The Witcher? <laughs> Probably. I honestly thought when you first said it, you were talking about a character. Yeah, it is what, kind of the kind of character that James would get excited about yeah. in all of his yeah. fantasy things. That's yeah, but right. no, Bodo Glimt is not Bodo Glimt club. of the Scoyatel. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Indeed, indeed. Also with us, you have heard us, is the start of another potential franchise reviver, which does what Dead Set did to Big Brother to the Kardashians and has Kim, Chloe, Courtney, Kendall, Kylie, and Chris all slowly devoured over the course of 42 minutes, not including ad breaks. It's the woman who puts the K in Kardashians. It's Kay Rivero. <laughs> That's not bad. Well done. Well done, James. You've done your job. Have Thank you. I've done a bit of research for this week's show, as you might <laughs> notice. Can you answer a question for me, Kay? Why, what is it about the parental Kardashians that they thought it would be fun to name all their kids... <laughs> With K's, like what's the as as the keeper of a K yourself, like what's what? I love what's the way you well, suddenly thought about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's easy when you're getting mon- like monogram stuff. You just get KK. Fine. KK. Yeah, you don't have to worry about that. Listen, a small fact about me: the reason why I was called K is because my dad was very sort of like particular about. Um, Orderly, you know, having stuff in order. And he was John, my mum's Mari, and my sister's Lisa. So the only letter that was missing was K, J K L M. Is that actually have... true, or did you just make true, that up? No, true fact. He yeah. wanted a K, so mm-hmm. it would be alphabetical. Yeah. He's anal like that. I mean, that's impressive. Yeah. yeah. But so anyway, have, they, have they never addressed the, the K situation on the Kardashians? Are they yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a known finale? thing that they all begin with yeah, K, but why? except for Robert Kardashian. Have they never attempted to explain it? Well, I just think they delight it, right? No, can't not, explain everything. It's, a very, it's, it's actually a good point, to be fair to James. They should have, obviously, they did explain it. You've do they have forgotten. middle names? Presumably, they don't have yeah, K in there no, as well. No, no, Otherwise, no. that's a whole world no, of problems. No, no, no. Yeah. They, they all begin with K. No, uh, middle names are different, and the brother, Robert's different. He Robert? Was named, He's yeah. the only one who isn't a K? He was named after his dad, yeah. Robert Kardashian, famously. Robert famous Kardashian, lawyer. senior, involved in the O.J. Simpson trial. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they're all Ks apart from yeah. Robert. It must yeah. have been, I assume it must have been um, his wife. Yeah, Chris. Chris. Chris Jenner. Who decided... 
She's Chris with a K, yeah. right? So she, it must have been her thing that to call everyone by their, by their, by K in honor of herself. Exactly, because so, she liked the name Courtney, but she wanted, but she wanted to keep the K theme. Right. Oh my god! So she, yeah. So just to be clear, there's Kim, <laughs> Chloe, Courtney, Kendall, Kylie, Chris, and Bob. Yeah, yeah. you got it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is, yeah this oh my god, incredible. I'm sensing a super fan. <laughs> <laughs> James, we still have to do that. So you oh, just reminded me. Well done. One day, one day. You maybe. know, in the early bit. If you watched the People versus um, O.J. Simpson, the American Crime Story, season one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a long time ago. Because they, they they deal a little, they dabble in that Robert Kardashian and, and all that a little bit at the beginning and you see the kids. You see, oh, at the one point you see, obviously, like a child version of Kim Kardashian, I believe. Yeah, because O.J. is, I think, the godfather of Chloe. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. So well, yeah, that's they, I think so. And that, well, they also used to say, "Was he her father?" I bet anyway. Wow. Yeah. Funnily, there's loads of great. Now, now you've got me going on a whole like brilliant TV revolving around OJ Simpson because the fame, the documentary series that was about eight hours long about OJ. And, was that on BBC? It, BBC, I think, did show it. Yeah. Um, I went to see a screening of that where they showed five hours of it. I went to, a show, oh, wow. and it was fantastic. It's such a, it's absolute masterpiece of a documentary because it touches upon, you know, the actual social um, unrest of the time. Mm. And riots in LA and all of that, and what the impact the the um, the case had. I feel like I have to revisit at least one or maybe both of those things. A five hours a long. It's only half a rewatch. I'm in favour. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, this has been fun. Uh, <laughs> you signed it. I did. It's true. <laughs> shall we? Shall we move on to what we've been watching? And and I would like to start unconventionally by telling oh. you what I haven't been watching, mainly because I don't want any spoilers. And that's that. I've, I've had a lot of stuff to watch this week for work. I know that's again. I'm not. I'm the world's smallest violin is playing at the moment. I'm not looking for your sympathy. I do not expect it. I'm simply offering this by way of explanation as to why I am now, as of when we go out, I will be. Well, to be fair, by the time we go out, I'll have actually caught up. Just but as, excuses here. As we record, I have not seen the most recent House of the Dragon. Uh, oh. So I'm slightly behind on that. And, yeah. crucially, I have not seen the new, last final sprint of The Walking Dead. I haven't, I haven't begun that yet. Either, wow. So I'm feeling a little bit anxious. So I've ha- been off social media because I can't have spoilers. House of the Dragon, do you mean the one that's going out on Monday as this comes no, out? No, I mean the previous the one. The one that has aired as we oh, record. I've not seen Seven. Bellend. I bet you've kept up with Lord of the Bloody Rings, haven't you? Yeah. Oh. Uh, see, I gave up on that after about two but episodes. The reason I kept up with Lord of the Rings is because I couldn't, I, like, I, A, we had to record a spoiler, but also I, I like, there was a, Helen just wouldn't stop talking about this big battle episode. And I'm like, fine, I'm going to watch it. It's fine. Uh, so I did watch that. But there's a, there's another one. So it's the penultimate episode of Lord of the Rings will have gone out by the yeah. time we go out. Yeah. And that's, I have not watched yet. There's only eight episodes of Lord of the Rings. That's it? right. So seven I mean, is, lazy. as we record, tomorrow. Lazy. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, if you have a big, like, 5,000 million billion pound series and you only give us eight episodes, I mean, that's just, yeah. that's not good. Um, because... Because House of Dragons got a sturdy ten, a sturdy ten. Yes, I do. Ah, oh, yeah. I, yes. I must admit, and I'm loving House of Dragons. So it's worth yeah. noting that the reason is, I think, because I got out of the habit of it. Because we watched six, didn't we, when we first reviewed it? Yeah. And yeah. so I haven't been watching it week to week. I just watched those six. So I haven't actually now returned to it since those six. Right. So I need to watch seven and eight, which I'll do. I mean, just tonight. just watch it. I will. Right. I will, but I'm explaining this so you do not spoil House of the Dragon. I mean, for me. yeah. I mean, fair enough. You're be- not going to get spoilers from me. Let's well, that's it, fair. Right? You that will. Fair. You will for me. Um, but Seven was supposed to be amazing, wasn't it? So. Seven is amazing. Seven's like a slow burn. Um, I love a slow burn. Brilliant, brilliant slow burn actually, um, and has a fantastic ending. Eight, which I, I just watched this morning. Because enough. we have screeners. We yes, have screeners. Yes, right. thank you to HBO, the gods of HBO. We love HBO. Have smiled upon us. There was a, yes. the only reason we weren't getting them. Kelly, I know you were concerned. I was worried. Is a technical fault. Yeah, I think, and that they're all there, and we're getting them in advance. And yeah, so uh, eight is extraordinary. That's all I'm going to say. Ooh. There's a. I'm going to say. I've written. I wrote two words. Decadent 
decaying. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. And everyone will know because everyone listening to this will have yeah. seen it last night as this goes out. At 2 a.m., so. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, there's a scene involving the king, which is absolutely brilliant. Ooh. That's all I'd say. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. I'm very um, excited. So, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's just, um, I think it, in terms of the writing and the it kind of, it's quite it's quite slow sometimes yeah. like as I said slow burn and actually in in um, episode eight almost the pace of it like there's not much action really at all it's quite bold in, in, to, the, in to use the b word and lavish and lavish it's definitely lavish <laughs> and extraordinary but it's quite the storytelling is boldly not that action based. I love I it when it yeah, does. Yeah, I, I do love too. a bit of talky action. I do mm. too. Yeah. So you will love it. Yeah, cuz it gets very the, the kind of negotiations gets quite dense. There's a lot of dense chat about the negotiations and all of that. But in terms of atmosphere and um character and just and just just the writing is it's fantastic. Yeah. I can't wait. I mean, you mentioned Lord of the Rings. That does bring something to mind. Someone left us a review yes. on Apple Podcasts this week. You know, because I talked to you about it already. Yeah. He was a little short with us. He gave us a two-star rating. With you, mainly. With me, mainly. A two-star rating, which I thought was harsh, having listened to Pilot from the beginning. And one of his issues was he thinks we are disingenuous boys, specifically, I think, what? the two of us. He thinks we're disingenuous because we have not said anything bad about She-Hulk or the Rings of Power. And he doesn't believe it's possible that we could be enjoying such terrible shows. And so he thinks we're being disingenuous. So I guess we're in the pocket of big streamers. I guess what he's what he's getting at, which is really interesting, because both Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, and She-Hulk have been massively divisive in different ways. Like She-Hulk seems to brought all the incels out of the woodwork. I'm not specifically saying this person who left a review is an incel. Mm. I'm just saying he clearly doesn't like She-Hulk, <laughs> although a lot of the incels haven't liked She-Hulk. And then the Lord of the Rings thing, which I think was his big bugbear. He really didn't like uh, the Lord of the Rings show, and I think he's, I, I guess, it's a Tolkienite. He really likes that kind of stuff. And he said, me, as a big geek, he refuses to believe James as an uber nerd is fine with such a badly written, mm. I can't remember exactly mm. what he said, but mm. like generally bad show. I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know what to say. I, I think it's brilliant. I love it. No, I, I don't. I mean, it. I think he might, because I didn't think it was that brilliant. No, you didn't. That's a don't. good point. You're not in the pocket yeah, of I'm big not, streamer. I'm not at all, yeah. You were and really down on it. I, I wasn't, I was, defi- I was definitely like doubtful. The first had, episode, the second one you liked. I, I, I much prefer the second yeah. episode, yeah. And by the end of it, I actually said by the end of it, I probably said, oh, you know, there's enough going on for, for, to, yeah, to, to warrant me to carry on. But actually, I haven't actually carried on watching it, to be honest. So um, what does that say? I haven't found time in my hectic schedule for that show, whereas I have for certainly for for um, House of the Dragon. But in terms of um, She-Hulk as well, I wasn't even that b- b- keen on She-Hulk. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. This but I don't guy think is that... obviously being specific yeah, it's to James. James. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's basically just, James. It just doesn't like me. Well. I, I had issues with She-Hulk. Yeah, I don't think mm. it's that amazing at all. I think people who think it is amazing, like, that was my main observation, actually, that it's like, fine, it's like a sitcom with a with yeah. a with a Marvel but CGI, I... not very good CGI character. Yeah, I mean, that's true it, too. Though. I think She-Hulk's been, I think the word I would use, inessential. Like it's yes, been, it's 100%. been broadly inessential. I have enjoyed it a lot as a palate cleanser because I enjoy the tone of it. It's frothy, it's fun. I thought the one where the retreat, which is the previous, not the most recent one, but the one before, I really enjoyed that. I just thought it was fun. It was completely inessential. The bit when she looks in the previous one, it's going to be a standalone wedding episode, and you're like, okay, sure. Like I don't need this yeah. to move along the narrative of the MCU. I find her quite good company. I think the idea of a Hulk dating is genuinely fun. Yes, there is a kind of an ongoing conspiracy-ish plot bubbling beneath the surface, but I'm actually not even that bothered by that. I quite just like the day-to-day hijinks of it all. Yeah, but in terms of the jokes, it's, they're like not even that good. There's about I could, about a dozen, you know, sitcoms of recent years like that got have better jokes than that show. But fewer Hulks. 
Absolutely, fewer hulks. Yeah. yeah, but that's my problem with it. I don't think I don't think the the comedic element is strong enough. It's uh, trying. To, yeah. See, I like it, but then you it's understand. That my, you know, my my well, relationship with sitcoms yeah. is quite specific. Yeah. So, Kay, what do you think? What I think is when we do a shout out for um, reviews on Apple Podcasts, that we just need to say if you've got a four or five star review, please do leave them. Anything else, just keep it in your head. Yeah, just keep it yourself. Keep it yourself. <laughs> yeah. Like there's no need. No, we do we do respect the feedback, and you're right, James is a bellend. So that's fair. That's yeah. fair. But can I can I impose a new rule for, okay, for people wanting? If you have a five-star rating to give us, then please do bestow it upon us. If you, however, have a grievance, like our friend here who does not like She-Hulk, uh, we'll call him the abomination. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you have a grievance like that, save it for the postback. Just send yeah. it in. Uh, yeah, we'll true. address it. There's no need to take, maybe, this to take it outside to Apple Podcasts and start giving us two-star reviews. I mean, come on. Maybe he wrote that before the, po- the postback of a current regular feature. No, yeah, I, you can't blame him for that. That's true. It's, you know what he's going to do now? He's going to hear this. He goes, I'll teach you. And he'll go and he'll change it to one star. 100%. <gasps> Yeah. No, he's I'd not going no. to. Well, he will. Now you've provoked him. You yeah, stop poking the bees. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It, have I provoked him? That's stop it. Stop poking That's the it. She-Hulk. That's it. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that. But anyway, I like both of those shows and I apologise for nothing. And that okay. is what you've been watching and what not you've been watching. No, basically, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to step in because I know Kay's going to pick this as well. <laughs> oh, you're such a... Sh- <laughs> no, I'm you trying, I'm you trying to first. swear less, actually. Well... So. Go on, you, you go first. and I'll All I'll say is, we've got Sharon on the show, Sharon Hogan on the show, who I had the delightful chance to interview um, last week. So I, so I watched the rest of Bad Sisters. It is fantastic. Uh, the Just as a 10 hours of constantly gripping, funny, um, kind of scary in a way, particularly Clash Bang's character. Clash Bang, that's one of the all-time great monsters of TV, I think, mm-hmm. that character. Um, and obviously the whole story revolves around his death and what happened. It's a kind of what happened situation, isn't it, rather than a whodunit. I mean, it is a whodunit as well. It's a whodunit. It's a whodunit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's basically um, um, Big Little Lies. It's very similar mm. to Big Little Lies. Um, and of that, that quality. In that genre, and of that quality, 100%, yeah. Um, and the end, and it lands the ending. In, in, in When I was in, when Sharon Hawker was talking about couldn't find the right phrase for landing the... <laughs> Landing the plane. Landing the thing. Um, doing the landing. Sticking the landing. Sticking the landing. We couldn't remember that phrase. Neither of us. Um, we are both like, it's something about a landing. And I was like, you've definitely done the landing. You've achieved the landing. You the, landing the landing has been. You, you smacked the landing. Yeah. And she was like, oh, that brilliant. She was genuinely like, you know, fascinated to know whether people will think they have landed. And they have. So, yeah, all in all, just a brilliant, um, above all, and because she, the tone of the original, which I watched a bit of, the Belgian original, is much wackier. Mm. Um, is it? Yeah. It's much more like the performances are quite big. And it's like a kind of eccentric, it's got one of those shows that's got a very eccentric tone. So all the weird um, things that happen in it, all the very darkly comic elements, which I won't spoil if people haven't, there's some, there's some quite dramatic turns, mm-hmm. aren't there, plot-wise, I would say in like episodes eight, nine, and then ten. Yeah. Um, which take it into a realm which is, you know, potentially less believable. But what they do brilliantly in this version, in Sean Organ's version, is they make they they make it feel real. Even even the kind of quite I bizarre terms, agree, yeah. they kind of make you believe in it. And the ending is totally a hundred percent believable. But I think it's it is because of the performances. But I think it's also because of the characters so yeah. well drawn that you just you believe them. So actually, I believe they would do all those things that they did. Yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I also watched it and was because I'd only watched two or three episodes and then you mm. were talking about it. I was like, all right, let me. And then I could not stop over two um, two nights, just 
just binged the whole thing and became obsessed. It's such a fantastic ending. It's not disappointing. It's deeply satisfying. And um, and that is down to... And I've always been calling him Clash Bang and it's been making me chuckle. How do you say it? Clays. I think it is. It's Clays, Clays, I think. I mean, there is... I know this. Opinions differ. Oh, do you? Because oh, okay. Dolly Wells did a live podcast with us way back, just before Dracula came out. Right. And uh, for the Empire podcast, when we were up in, somewhere up north. And uh, and I remember saying to her, is it Clash Bang? She went, it's Clay Bang? I was like, well, that's just not as good at all. And she just kind yeah. of looked at me as if to say, that, well, that is I mean, his name. I heard to the Q&A for, for that. And you just called him I can't Clash. remember what I called him. Yeah. But, right. Clay's yeah. Clash Bang Clay's is, Clash. is just we'll brilliantly cast as JP. And Amory Duff as well. I thought she was yeah. superb. So yeah, I've I've just completely highly recommend if you watch. In fact, that might be one of my dramas of the year. Oh god, yeah, mm. I'm that easily. Yeah. No, you have to catch up and watch it because when it comes to us deciding to our yeah, shows know, of the year, you're going to put it low because you haven't actually watched it properly. I will. I will no, go it's through at the top, that. Jack. Just tell him where it goes. It's at the top. Uh, well, you yeah, need to watch but... the bear, Kay, because you weren't on when we reviewed the bear. I've watched. I've watched one app. Okay. and love. Isn't it good? It. Yeah, isn't it so good? good. We did a bear special this week. It was sponsored by Disney, so it's a commercial product. But it is nevertheless. It's me and Beth and Chris banging on about the bear for like an hour. So. Yeah. Your idea of hell, really, Kay. But, no, no, no. Uh, I mean, I not invited, Kay, but that's fine. Yeah, I know it's yeah. a bit rude. We'll, we'll I got go invited on for the wedding season, but not the bear. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Okay. Uh, Boyd, what else have you been watching? I've, I've, that's that it. it. I've got Bad well, Sisters and House of the Dragon. Well, I've right. just got one more thing then. I'll let you go your hand up. <laughs> you don't need to your hand up. This is an audio medium. I've also, I also devoured the rest of Am I Being Unreasonable? <laughs> always Daisy May Cooper and Celine Hasley's um, dark comedy thriller and again like Bad Sisters I just thought the ending I mean in fact with this one yeah similarly to Bad Sisters just that rug pull ending I just didn't see it coming I didn't see it coming I thought it was so good and dark and twisted and exactly how you'd want it to end but unexpected and satisfying mm. I haven't finished that. I need to watch it. Oh my Co- God, you've got... It's such a good yeah. ending. Cover star of uh, this week's Grazia. I was going to say, mm-hmm. she is the cover star of yeah. this week's Grazia, interviewed Dubai. by someone named yeah. Terry White. Yeah, Terry. Yeah. That's right. Terry spoke to Daisy Maykeeper uh, about all sorts of things. Apparently it was a very good interview. I haven't read it, but then I haven't watched the rest of the show and I never will. So that what? might be why. But Terry is awesome, so I imagine that it is great. <laughs> okay. Ignore- what, a, what a sentence. Yeah. yeah. Boyd, you've got to watch the ending. I will. You, it's a real... Oh, I know. I, I definitely will. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, unlike James, I no, have. I'm, I have yeah. no intention of, of yeah, watching of that. But do you know what else you didn't watch this week, which you absolutely should have done, is this week saw the penultimate episode of C on <laughs> Apple Sorry. TV+. Plus. Sorry, the, I just zoned out there. And the finale yeah. airs on the 14th, the same day as the Bad Sisters finale, the final oh. episode of C. Oh. So the penultimate one, which was called God Thunder and featured God Thunder. Uh, I, I'm going to say the finale is a lot happens. If you're into C, if you're watching C, you're obviously going to watch it. So, so, we're it so God's in it? N- n- well, no. God Thunder. It's God, God Thunder. Thunder. It's basically explosive. It's explosive stuff. Someone blows shit up. That's oh, okay. That's what's okay. If you have to choose, watch Bad Sisters. Oh, I mean, I no, mean, doubt. You say no, that. Doubt. no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. But, you know, no I will be there watching the finale in my C hoodie. Will you, Boyd, in your C hoodie? <laughs> I have to my, my C blanket. The C hoodie is quite handy, actually. Yeah. Like, have you been you using know. the C blanket? The blanket, you got blanket less so. As well. Yeah, it's not a monogram. It doesn't say C on it, much to my disgust. Yeah, it's just but it a was, blanket. It's a very. Can I have it? No, it's nice. <laughs> it's, it's like fluffy. It's like furs. It's like what you imagine. My boiler's Voss broken. I need as many blankets oh, as possible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. You want a Bubba Voss blanket? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, oh, someone, someone pointed out that. Uh, God, see, let's see if I can actually remember what it was. Oh, yes, that's right. So there's a whole thing whereby people say we did this on the Empire podcast where people's names. I think. Chris started this where you end up saying someone's name to the 
meter of a song. So we used to do 500 miles at Empire Karaoke, or I'm going to be by the Proclaimers. And uh, during the da 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 da, we got Peter Mullen, Peter Mullen. I don't know how it started. I don't remember how it started. I really don't. But we've been doing you it had now to be there for about 20 years. And genuinely, we have interviewed Peter Mullen since, and we have told him about it. He was quite chuffed. But anyway, someone pointed out that you can do Baba Voss to Baby Shark. So Baba Voss, do 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 do, Baba Voss do do, which I thought was quite good. So now. Wow. If whenever you hear Baby Shark, I want you to think Bubba Voss. Next time um, James treats us to his karaoke, you know what he's going to be singing. Oh, God. I mean, this is a whole new... This could be the next stage two of the karaoke um, scandal. I'll do Baby Shark, Bubba Voss, karaoke. Isn't Peter Mullen in Lord of the Rings? Uh, he is indeed. He yeah. plays Durin's father, the king of the dwarves. <laughs> there you go. You wouldn't recognise him, but at no point does he go, Peter Mullen. Wait, no. Peter Mullen from Mum? Why yeah, got- from Mum, yeah. <gasps> yeah. Peter Mullen is, is a great, one of the great um, thesps of our time. Yeah. In many ways, yeah. And in his versatility. You might even go from Mum, ultra, mm. ultra authentic realism of Mum to fantasy bullshit of... Uh, <laughs> you, you mean the gloriously <laughs> shaped, lavish Sorry. fantasy yes. of the Lord of the Rings. Yes, that's, that's, that's what I meant. Line yeah. Provided that's by Boyd. Yeah, that's right. Mm. I will say, will you? if we're going to do a face-to-face between House of the Dragon and Lord of the Rings, I prefer yes. House of the Dragon by oh, gotcha. some degree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, we are like, in agreement. I don't, I don't know what to tell you, but I think it's very much, it's more my bag. Like, I do find that high fantasy can be a little bit twee sometimes. Yeah, but that said, I'm enjoying it a lot, so that's good. Oh, good. And good. we'll have uh, more Witcher action coming later in the year as well. Just when that fantasy ends, a new fantasy begins, Boyd, mm. see? It's all mm. one big yeah. tapestry. Anyway, 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 that is roughly speaking what we have or haven't been watching. So let's move on to this week's first guest. Uh, and this is Celine Buckins. And her Twitter profile, if you choose to follow her on Twitter, simply says, the rude entitled little cow from Show Trial. Uh, so I'm sure you will remember her as Talitha in Show Trial, which was a glorious performance last year. Was last year? Was it this year? Was it this year? I think it might be this year. I've, but time has no meaning to me no, anymore. Same. Let's say, let's assume it was earlier this year. We think. Anyway, let's not get hung I'm up. I'm going to look it up now. <laughs> but she also played Sophie in Jonathan Tropper's Warrior, which I enjoyed an awful lot. Of course, Jonathan Tropper, the creator last of year. Banshee. Was it last year? Yeah. Show Trial was last year. Okay, fine. Uh, but she's back on our screens this year in Paramount Plus's The Ex-Wife, in which she plays uh, a recently married woman with a new baby and an older husband whose former flame takes a rather unhealthy interest in the pair's relationship. Now, she spoke to Amon Warman very recently, and this is what happened. We are delighted to be joined on the Pilot TV podcast by the star of The Ex-Wife, it's Celine Buckins. Hello. How are you? Hello. Yes, good, good. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. I'm all the better for having watched the first two episodes of your show. Celine, I need to know what happens next. I need to know what happens to Tasha, to Jen. The second episode, Cliffhanger, is so good. <laughs> I need to know. When, when you were first reading this script... Was it that similar vibe? Like, I just flipping through this, I need to know what happens next to all these characters. Yeah, c- completely. And I'm so happy that it's carried into, into uh, the series because it was such a page turner. And um, when I first got sent it, I only got sent maybe the first episode or maybe the first two. So I kind of had to uh, um, accept the role to find out what happened. <laughs> But yeah, but I'm really, I'm really glad that it does carry and that it is that uh, as gripping as as the scripts, and I think it's really helped by um, the cinematography and like, it, it's so it's it's shot like a sort of 80s thriller, and I feel like it's got a look that um, that that feels kind of nostalgic, even though um, even though the the themes are quite contemporary. 
Yeah. And when you're reading the script and reading the book, I think you read the novel afterwards, are you sort of thinking and like gesticulating, I guess, at the page, like I'm gesticulating at the screen? I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you leaving? Why are you leaving your baby with that? That's a mistake. As I'm watching, are you thinking similar things as you're reading? I guess I'm sort of reading it and, and immediately starting to think, why? Why is she doing all this? Like, what is what is taking over? And so um, without giving uh how do i speak about this in a non-spoilery way when the moment that you're the moment that you're that i think you're alluding to when um when she behaves maybe not in the most not in the best motherly way um what i start thinking in those moments is um what what's taken over that she's that she's not thinking about the thing that is the most important to her and why is that so um, so important and that is that the thing that does take over is her jealousy and obsession with the ex-wife and so that that tension um is those moments where you're like what the what the hell um, <laughs> yeah. are, are these clues sorry my I almost no, 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 believe me you can swear <laughs> this is an explicit podcast go nuts okay 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 they, they sort of give you the clues as to like what what is the real tension inside those are the moments where you really see what the ten- what the tension's about. Yeah, 100%. So as I mentioned, this is based on a best-selling book. Was there anything you took away from the novel that you put into your performance or was the script your Bible here? Uh, no, it's pretty different to the novel. And and I, I think with adaptations, it's if you're following two different things, um, like Catherine's adaptation was is is the is the script that we were following. So I think, um, I don't think it's particularly helpful to try and be true to both at the same time. I think you can mm-hmm. only um, be true to one. I did read it, but I, I think it that was that was more of a background thing as opposed to a guiding thing. Um, however, the, mm-hmm. uh, it is, a, it is a, a bestseller and is like hugely gripping. And so um, I was very happy to read it. Yeah. Um, a lot of this show is about trust. How do you go about building that trust with your screen partners? Oh, that's a good question. I, I mean, it helps if you if you get on with them, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and if you and and if you respect them. I feel like um, Tom Tom is so talented, and so because I really respected the way that he worked, I guess that there's a trust inbuilt in that. Um, and then, um, yeah, I guess. I guess we we were sort of thrown in at the deep end because we started off by doing everything in the house, so it, all the family life stuff was came first. But um, but yeah, I'm not sure that there's a method that I can that I can share. But um, trust falls; they never fail. You, should, you guys, you guys should have done that first day. Trust, trust falls. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's the kind of thing I did do and like um when I did like national youth theater and stuff I should have brought it in but I didn't. This is so, my lack of training comes through. <laughs> so so you guys didn't do any rehearsal period beforehand for this you just jumped straight in? No, we did we, we jumped straight in. We did talk about it though. We did talk about it quite a lot um and um and that meant that we knew that we were on a on a similar kind of page with what we Wanted to do with it, um, but no, no rehearsals. So on the subject of trust, you are filming a lot of intimate scenes uh, in this show. And 
you wrote an amazing piece for The Garden back in 2019 about mm -hmm. exactly this. Um, yeah. Have you noticed any changes since then? And is there any, anything more that productions can do to make the filming environment safer uh, even today? So in terms of intimate scenes, I feel like it is a question of time. I feel like the role of the intimacy coordinator still feels very new, um, but at least now there's an understanding of um, what what it what it could be and what it could do. But it is still very much evolving um, because, relatively speaking, it is so new. Um, but I think it's a very good thing that that conversation has been um, prompted. I was reading an interview with you in preparation for this. You said that you're, you're drawn by sort of complexity and complex characters. What complexities did you see in Tasha that excited you? I was really attracted by the idea of playing a character who is basically the usurper of a marriage. That's not a character that we usually uh, follow a story with. That's not usually our point of view character. That's a kind of a complicated position to be in. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think humanizing that while bringing in, uh, while making her not flawless, like while bringing in her um, a certain uh, taste for luxury and that kind of thing, that these are, these are things that don't make characters female characters, young female characters, easy to love, but it doesn't make someone a bad person. And that's complicated. And I like that. Yeah. So when you're playing a character like this, do you have to be on her side or do you just have to understand her? I think you just, by, by osmosis, you end up being on their side. I think you all... Uh, I think it's you start off by having a more um, uh, an attitude more of you, you just need to understand them, but I think you do end up being on their side, um, and I think that that extends to times where they don't where the character doesn't behave in a faultless way because you 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 sort of appeal to the audience's humanity and appeal to the audience's allowance for humanity for people to be imperfect and to make mistakes um and so i think even in those moments even though you're you know as an actor that you don't think that that's the right way to behave um you do end up in a way still being on the side of the character this next question in some ways this is true of all acting but uh, st stood out to me watching this show that so much is communicated with just a single look i think that there's, there's a couple of scenes where your character i think uh, Tom, the husband, is on the phone and your character is just looking at him like you. Th this isn't right what you're doing right now, but it's just a, a single look what you're communicating. Did you have any conversations about the balance between verbal and non-verbal communication with the director and about how to find that with your character? No, we didn't have those kind of conversations, but generally I am a fan of um, like cutting dialogue when it's not necessary, when it can be communicated a look um because um i think even though i think putting words to things can sometimes make them far less nuanced and it becomes one thing um whereas a look can carry so much more meanings um and can contain accusations and vulnerability and fear all at once um 
So, so in this kind of story where it is so much about trust, uh, yeah, we definitely, we definitely, there are a lot, there are a lot of looks. There are a lot of looks. <laughs> um, you mentioned earlier that the cinematography on the show is really great. I know the director Brian O'Malley has cited Hitchcock and the Palmer as influences for this, and it really comes through the screen. I think there's a sequence with you in a shopping mall that's shot really well, and a sequence where. You're, you start off in uh, a kid's play area and then you have to do a lot of running <laughs> when it's shot really well. Have you ever worked with that style before and how did you find it? Uh, no, I don't think I have worked with that style, but I loved it. I, I watched so many of De Palma's films before we started it and I, I think that uh, that reference is definitely very strong. Uh, the camera's always moving and that gives the sense of nothing Nothing is stable. Like every Everything's always shifting. And... Um, I don't know whether it's my place to share this reference, but I'm going to share it anyway. Um, the, the soft play um, moment where the camera moves, the reference for that was De Palma's, what's the film in the, uh, the um, one with Michael Caine, where there's, they're in the, the art gallery and, and, and the camera sort of follows, follows Michael Caine uh, but you don't know that it's him and the gloves comes off. Anyway, that that was the sort of reference for that. I, I can picture the scene. I, the name is escapes me right now, but thank you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, that's great. That's Yeah, I didn't pick up on that, but that's great. The art gallery is like so white and 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 sterile. This is like um, a yeah. uh, soft play area with like hundreds. Of- <laughs> it's a great scene. I hope you didn't have to do it too many times because you, you're running. You're, you're really running. <laughs> um, one of the lines that stood out to me in this show is it's funny how we can create a person in our minds, uh, which I think is totally true. And it's not only true of this show, but it's also true of a show called Show Trial, uh, for which you were nominated for okay. BAFTA. Yes, that's how I do the segues. Um, yeah, nominated for BAFTA. Very, very well done. Uh, by the way, I love that your Twitter bio reads the rude entitled little cow from Show Trial. That, that's brilliant. You're, you're owning that. I love it. Um, but, but watching yeah. the show, <laughs> watching the show is so interesting in terms of how our feelings towards Talitha, your character, shift. Did you notice a shift in the conversation around Talitha? when the show was in because she's still that rude and titled little cow uh, all the way through, but you, she does earn our sympathies as well. Yeah, it was actually very interesting doing the, most of the press that I did, you know, like like we're doing now, was based off only one or two episodes that had been shared. And um, and all everyone that I was speaking to was basically being like, what is it like playing such a horrible, 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 horrible person? <laughs> And I was like, whoa, hold on, hang on a sec. And I do think, you know, that thing of jumping to conclusions with uh, characters is um, is an important thing to interrogate because by the end of the of show trial, it's very clear that the way that she behaves isn't purely because she's uh, rude, entitled and posh. She's also had um, been subjected to abuse and um one of the ways i i consulted an isva uh, independent sexual violence advisor um before doing show trial and and she she told me that you know the two main ways that people react to abuse is one they shrink shrink and still try and disappear and two is they act out and so it's it with talitha it was interesting playing a character who 
basically is acting out, but because of the way she holds herself and because of her accent and because of who her father is, people immediately assume that it's just because she's a spoiled brat, which she is, but the story is more complicated. With the ex-wife, I also think that, you know, being uh, a young, girly woman who, you know, is quite free, perhaps not as sophisticated as someone who's older, marrying someone who's much wealthier, being interested in an older man, that's a kind of profile which invites judgment, I think. And I think that, again, it's this kind of situation where, um, of course, she's uh, more complex than than that. And those those um, assumptions and prejudices that, that, that Jack's family have about her because of her age and because of the fact that she's married someone wealthier, um, th- th- they should be interrogated. I did want to ask uh, about a film called War Horse, directed by, let me just check my notes here, a guy called <laughs> Steven Spielberg. I'm, I'm not sure if he's going to go on to do anything. <laughs> um, was there any lesson you learned or tip that you picked up making that movie, your first movie that has served you well in other projects that you've worked on since? I think so. I mean, like the the experience was so overwhelming and it was my first time on a film set. So, you know, unfortunately, I wasn't able to really separate between what was just being on a set and what was being on a Steven Spielberg set. But um, no, I think it was definitely a fast track in terms of learning. And I worked with uh, Niels Aristrup, who played my grandfather. And I remember there was one scene that I, that, that we shot where he's giving this monologue uh, basically about birds flying over the war carrier pigeons. And I remember him doing three takes and each take was completely true in its essence to, to, to what was happening in the scene, but completely different. Each take was wildly different to the other while being completely true. And that is something which I've tried. I sort of see that as a guiding. If if I can if I can be even a fraction as good as he was in those three takes, um, and keep fresh and keep that originality and keep each take original while being authentic. Um, I mean, I, I'd, I'd be very happy if I could even achieve a fraction of that. Um, so that's a lesson that I've carried on. Absolutely. Um, you've been in this business for just over a decade now, and with both the ex-wife and show trial, we've been talking about shows and which characters make assumptions about people that turn out to be wrong. What's an assumption you made about Hollywood and the business that has turned out to be wrong? Well, <laughs> I think after I did War Horse, I sort of had the an assumption that um, that it was it, it would it would be easy from there, and that um, that. Uh, that I'd be able to to get cast and other things easily, but uh, the reality was quite different, and and it took seven years for me to be cast in something else. Um, and so I think that that really did instill a sense in me that um, it's such a privilege to be an actor to get to work in making films, and um, and you can't ever take it for granted. Um, I think it's definitely it taught me to not rest on my laurels <laughs> well speaking of not resting on your laurels i watched a certain movie called prangover before uh, i did this interview your short uh, which you <laughs> both edited directed did the catering for did everything for it's it's really really great i really enjoyed it 
Um, when do you think we'll see you behind the camera again for a TV series or film? And is there any female genre in particular that you're drawn to? I'm making another short. Um, at the minute. Uh, yeah, it's it's um, it, it's got dialogue in it this time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want I don't want to speak about it too much, but it is much closer to the kind of things that I watch. Show trial was such a fast track, and that I was teaching myself everything. Um, and uh, and I was very very much new to new to everything like I was literally looking up YouTube tutorials of like how to work Premiere Pro um so this one yeah it's it's quite it's a very contained story um the sort of visual references are like Nicholas Rogue and Robert Altman and those kind of films um and yeah hopefully we'll shoot it later this year I just finished a draft another draft yesterday um and so I'm waiting to hear back from my producer but um, yeah, hopefully we shoot, we'll be shooting that in like a month or so. Nice, nice. I can't wait to watch it. Uh, Celine Buckins, actor, writer, director, producer, caterer, and now most importantly, podcast guesterer. Yes, I've made that <laughs> title. Add it to your Twitter bio right now. Thank you so much for your time. It's been so much fun. Thank you. That was Celine Buckins. And now time for this week's post bag. Let's see what two-star trolling awaits us. <laughs> In here, right. I'm going to go down to the... Oh, we've got quite a few. Let's see, let's see. Right, right, let's see. This is from Charlotte Walker, and Charlotte says, Morning. Morning. <laughs> In what Morning. you finished, did anyone stick with the suspect? Last episode yes. was really tense and a great role for Aiden Turner. Yes, Went a yes, bit yes. off in the middle, but def recommended. Listen, I did because I was gripped by it, and I have to say the ending was good, but just completely, like, mad and unrealistic and all that. But, you know, it's very soapy. Um, but I thought... He was very good in it, and yeah, I finished the whole thing. So I'm I didn't see you. a single episode because I wasn't on the episode where you reviewed it. So. Oh, oh, was it just who was it? Oh, unbelievable! It, was, it must it, be us. Beth, yeah, me, you, and it Beth. Was you, you three. I, was I did I finish away. it as well, actually, and I, I totally forgot about that. I could have done that. In How the, do you feel about the finale? I enjoyed. it. I liked it. I kind of knew what was going to happen without spoiling it because of various reasons. Mm. Of course, you did. Yeah, um, that's the thing. I had guessed. Yeah. It. yeah. Um, but I still think like, it was still incredibly entertaining. That series all the yeah. way through, even when it's being. Um, borderline preposterous <laughs> it's still really was it being really a bit suspect <laughs> oh no so Go. look I didn't get to introduce the review so your facial expression off. that made that <laughs> yeah, you see his little yeah, smug little face I can't unsee it now I want to pluck my eyes. incredible <laughs> but Aidan um, Turner fantastic in it I think he's brilliant and a magnificent beard as I've said before yeah mm, a fantastic good beard, beard yeah. action and I think there will be more shall we say do you think yes Yes. I don't know how it how would it go on from there. Well, I'm not going to get into that, but... Oh, all right, then. We'll take action. it off mic. <laughs> Boyd knows. Boyd knows. Right. Something here from Marek Bohatch, and he says, having just watched the Evan Peters Netflix series about Jeffrey Dahmer and reading in the news that some of the victims' families are not happy about it being made as they were not consulted, how much of a responsibility do you think TV makers have to be getting the blessing or at least inform victims' families when shows like this are made? They've definitely got to be informed. I mean, that's just... I mean, ridiculous to think otherwise, I think. But I, I'm going to opt out this question just because I don't watch these true crime. Well, neither do I because they're hateful. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I just, there's there's something... such an appetite for it, though. Yeah, there is. And I, and I get it. Like There's a sort of a ghoulishness to it. It's, I mean, like, I say they're hateful. It's not hateful. But it's just something that I personally find... Distasteful. I find it distasteful. I do. And there's something about that. Because it's a real thing, I feel like I can't enjoy the dramatisation because there's an ick factor that I don't think I can get past. Mm. And it's quite ghoulish. And I don't know, maybe... I, I don't really like that. Like I go to TV 
honestly, to get away from the shit that happens in the real world. I don't want to bring it with me. Like, I just, yeah. I don't want to see, you know, serial killers and murders from the weir- real world in, in my shows. Give me Bubba Voss. Take away Jeffrey Dahmer. What do you think, Boyd? I think that... First of all, funny enough, if, um, there's, did you see uh, a tunnel called Road Tube Station? But not, not barely uh, a half a mile away from where we are right now. There's yes. a massive ad. Have you seen it for for the show for Dharma? For pilot. For <laughs> I was say, extraordinary. I didn't pay for that. For, for Dharma, oh, and it's okay. so distasteful. It's just his face, a massive um, that yeah. piece of face as Jeffrey Dharma in like a gold with like a gold frame almost thing. It's that 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 is tawdry. I don't know. Like it's celebrating. Let's like, yeah. turn them into rock stars. I, don't I really like think it. generally, I'm very pro. You know free speech and everyone should probably be able to create whatever show they want to create about anything as long as it's legally compliant etc um i've funny enough i have spoken to people who have made like um people who've written and made true crime uh shows and uh i think there seems to be a very big division between british and american ones so all the british people writers i've ever met and i've met quite a few who've worked on this kind of show have have been in touch with the victims mm. and the relatives of the victims and it always and they always say you know they they speak to them they say what is the way to honor the victims blah 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 and that and that does make for a good better show basically as well and they all do it so it is possible to make a true crime drama about fairly recent events involving really horrendous psychopaths or killers or whatever and involve their victims and it f- turns out to be that, that, that everyone is kind of on board if you like that's definitely not the case with Dharma in fact I'm just looking it up and there's a quote um, from a from a, a, a relative of one of the victims who tweeted this I'm not telling anyone what to watch I know true crime media is huge but if you're actually curious about the victims my family is pissed about this show it's re-traumatizing over and over again and for what how many movies shows documentaries do we need mm. so I think fair comment yeah I, th- I, I just feel feel like it's a different world in all this American stuff. Why um, do you think, out of interest, why do you think there is this difference between how the, the British TV makes them approach it and the Americans? I think that's just a possible, I mean, this is a total generalisation. I think, yeah, I think there's a, more of a feeling of of, um, of empathy for that kind of thing in the, and the, and the programme makers feel more duty-bound for some reason to do that here. Like a moral Whereas, code. Yeah, I just think, you know, the, I mean, the whole tone of this show, for example, of the Dharma show, is a complete 100% different to how it would be treated. You know, we, yeah, there was Des. Do you remember Des with David yeah, Tennant? Yeah. Um, Which is one that I actually didn't hate because his yeah, performance was outstanding. There's a way of doing it mm. that that is not exploitative. That absolutely is. And Des was an example. I can give you three or four other examples. Um, the one with Stephen Merchant that uh, was, was really good. Oh, yeah. um, but... I just feel they don't feel right. I just don't feel Ryan Murphy, etc. You know, feels the need to do that because you're get, you're then going to get into. I think they feel almost like a, almost like a position of um, uh, almost. They feel like I'm the creator here. I should I'm I should be entitled to tell this story how I see fit. That's my feeling. Is it also uh, not, that I've, that's they, no no way a direct quote from. I've no idea what Ryan Murphy really thinks. Is it also that if he went to the um, victims' families, they might say, "Look, well, don't make it," and then he. There is that, yeah. And then he wouldn't be able to make it. I yeah. mean, absolutely, there is that. Yeah. And he wants to make it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, but there, but there are loads of examples of where you do go to victims' families and you say we're going to be sensitive and what do you think and we'll take advice and they get involved mm. and, they, and you know and that's that's the way to do it. Yeah, definitely. Well, this is one for you, Boydie. Uh, yeah, Bruce Rillis. See what you did there. Listening to this week's episode, James mentions the 2014 Clive Owen film Inside Man. 
then Boyd says, there's also the Spike Lee film Inside Man. They are, in fact, the same film. <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> so, there you go, that's you. That's in you my told. defense, you calling it a, you call it a Clive Owen film. I mean, he's it's, in it. It's a Spike Lee film. For it's a Spike sake. Lee joint, not a Clive Owen I mean, joint. Jesus Is that what you're saying? Christ, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Fair Is he even enough. the main role? Is he the main role? No. Clive Owen? Yeah. He spends a lot of it behind a wall, but yes, I believe he's the main role. Mm-hmm. Okay, look, just that. accept Should... the egg on the face. It's fine. Anyway, it's a really good film. If you haven't seen it, everyone should see it. <clears throat> this this is a, a glorious message. I don't know if this is. This is from Simon Beatty. Hello, Pod. For the past few weeks, I've been listening to your occasional references to ABBA Elementary. I'm wondering why none of you made reference to the Swedish supergroup. <laughs> Until today, I realised it's called Abbott <laughs> Elementary. Not sure if this is down to your diction or my failing hearing. I, I, I was about to say I would watch Abba Elementary. I 100% wouldn't. I, fuck, I, I hate Abba. You actually <laughs> hate Abba. That so I no would not watch it. No. no one is surprised that you hate Abba. No, I do. Um, I do really brilliant. hate Abba. Sorry. Um, that is fun. And sure it's my bad diction because I'm the one who has you seen Abbott. 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 Abbott Elementary. Elementary. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. Apologies. Okay. Abba Elementary is the, is the sequel. Alex Clark, re-watching The Good Wife and marvelling at the guest stars, prompted the question, best non-A-list TV guest stars who steal the show from the regulars. Wow. This is, this is one of the ones that we actually have to give thought to. I, I don't like those kind of questions. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, and he, he said, for The Good Wife, Dylan Baker as Colin Sweeney. That is a good show. He's very, very good in mm. it. Gary Cole as Kurt, also very good. Oliver Platt in The West Wing, 100% agree with you. Uh, Mark Shepard in absolutely everything. Correct answer, maybe Rick Mail in Blackadder, though. Woof! Lord Flashheart! <laughs> uh, yes, I'm a big fan Who of Lord Flashheart. Who knew he Flashheart. had that in his locker? Who knew? Who yeah. knew? I do love a bit of uh, a little bit of Blackadder. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> I need to think on that. John Larroquette, also in the West Wing, I would point out, is fantastic in in Mm. basically the same role. Mm. Or playing the same position in the White House. uh, Chief Counsel. Mm. Yeah, he's very good. Um, I'll have to think. I mean, there's loads of guest stars in Seinfeld all the way through. They're really good. Curb. I mean, every other episode has like a fantastic guest star. Yes, unfortunately, Alex, you've hit upon a question that requires thought and or preparation, yeah. neither of which we are yeah. prepared to give and you. Me remem- and me, my short-term memory, <laughs> trying to deal with that as well. I'll, I'll have to think. All right, yeah. I'm going to do one more. We've actually got quite a lot. Like, I've got like, one from as oh, well. Oh, no, Boyd wants to do one. Well, okay, maybe one I won't do one more. Sandy Thin okay. um, messaged me. Actually DM'd me, but I'm assuming it's okay. To Breaking the rules. Well, it's Breaking not, the yeah, rules. This is about um, House of the Dragon. Uh, hey, just listening to today's pilot discussion on the age jump recasting in, in House of the Dragon, I thought I'd add a point of interest as I'm sure everyone will continue discussing it for the rest of the season. On the idea of Millie Alcock slash Emily Carey being replaced, I think it's notable that actually Emma Darcy and Liv Cook, Olivia Cook to the rest of us, were the two <laughs> originally cast as the series leads. They then decided to expand more than initially planned on the earlier timeline, the first five episodes, and so cast the younger versions afterwards. I did not know that. I didn't know that That's afterwards. That's an interesting So that is fact. interesting. And also, to the point of whether Alcock should have played up, which was my theory, mm. I think by episode eight, Rhaenyra is meant to be around 34, which is true, which might be a bit of a stretch for a 22-year-old. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. That said, totally agree on the point that Alcock stole the show for the first five episodes, but in a sense, possibly good for her career that she's got out early, given the difficulties even the good cast members of Game of Thrones have found in finding projects since the show ended. Uh, anyway, I thought I'd just add that context decision. Love the pod. Clearly not a fan of Spook's The Greater Good, then. Yeah. <laughs> true (laughs) All right, I'm going to do this last one just because I've got it up here there's a bunch of others but we'll have to tackle those next week Uh, hello everyone on the Pilot TV podcast I've got a question for your new mailbag feature 
well, that's handy because that's what this is. We are presently living through a golden age of television. However, it feels this is only true for shows aimed at adults, mm-hmm. which can look at mature themes with the sex and violence levels needed for those shows. Where are the family shows of the same quality? Brackets aside from Doctor Who. Even Star Trek is full of F-bombs and Klingon nudity. <laughs> Oh my God. Uh, Have I just missed these shows or is there a lack of high quality family shows on TV at the moment? Thank you, Stephen Shires. It's another one I need to think about. Yeah, I mean, who... uh, First of all, there's loads of of children's shows, I mean, fewer than there used to be, certainly. But, you know, I know ITV and children's BBC still make, uh, you know, family-friendly shows of those kinds. So I just don't think... I mean, We're in touch with them. I'm not saying this necessarily, but I mean they've like the remake of like Darling Buds and May is probably child friendly, isn't it? Yeah, that's you true. Include, Hello, yeah. Virgin River. The Larkins. The Larkins. The Larkins. That's it. Oh. Yeah. Which I think incredibly, we actually reviewed, didn't we? We did review it. <laughs> it I was remember a, being forced to watch it. Yeah, it was a quiet week. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a new series coming soon, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's family friendly stuff generally um, in that ITV eight o'clock slot. Fair enough. Karen Peer is in that slot um, in the in the eight o'clock is that Sunday family evening. Friendly? It's, I mean, it's not as family friendly as probably as the others. I thought it was quite quite. It doesn't feel the word. Like no, Perry Doctor Who. That uh, feels to be a yeah, discrepancy. Yeah, oh, completely, hundred percent. But like McDonald and Dodds, which was another show in that eight o'clock, so it's definitely is more. It's like cozy crime they call it. Cozy crime. Yeah, and which is I mean <laughs> questionable, but that is that is what they call it. Um, which is definitely supposed to be family friendly. Hence the eight o'clock start on a Sunday evening. But actual stuff like really stuff about. Teenagers, that's literally family friendly. There is a, I think there's an interesting um, thing, situation where shows about teenagers. In fact, we're getting onto one, the Midnight Club. Indeed, for we example, are. are much more explicit and extreme and violent and sweary and all of that than they used to be. Like Euphoria. So, like Euphoria. Oh my god, yeah, your classic example. Oh, sex education. But also, all but, the, but yeah, you know, you're right. A lot of them have that kind of edgy yeah. YA where they push the swearing and nudity, right. the violence. Yeah. Even quite Fate the Wink Saga is quite edgy. Isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I remember that's, that's one of the reasons I quite yeah. liked it because yeah. it had edge to it. And yeah. uh, there's an upcoming one, the one that I was talking about the other week but about the they, witches, which is similar. But then they stop being family friendly. Right, but that's my point. That's what I'm saying is that I think that the the uh, person who wrote in has got a point probably because mm. what in in back in the day there would have been like family friendly stuff involving young people, but now. All of the young people shows are really quite extreme but and adults. Isn't this unfortunately? This is the nature of how we consume content. That when they were network shows and when they were pre-watershed shows on terrestrial and stuff like that, they had there were certain guidelines they had to adhere to, where they couldn't yeah. have swearing, yeah. they couldn't have nudity. Whereas you know, streaming is the wild yeah. west; they can do whatever they want. Exactly. And I think you know, edginess, sexiness, headlines, brings in people. Like it's what appeals to people. So maybe they're not. Yeah, and also they're they're targeting an audience, aren't they? They're tar- trying to bring in a sort of a slightly mm. more, you know, mm. uh, a slightly older audience. This stuff. So, I I don't know. Like maybe I don't know. I've never watched, you know, Hey Dougie or Bluey. But is there nudity, swearing? Is that violence in that? I, I, I mean, Chris you, it won't stop going on about. I know. Hey, I'm Dougie aware. And Bluey, so yeah, who knows? Ask him. Yeah, he'll tell you. It's possible. Well, surprised there's another spoiler special. No, he, I, Louis. I mean, honestly, keep your eyes peeled for it on the spoiler special podcast because yeah. he almost certainly will do at some point <laughs> mm. the Hey Dougie in depth <laughs> with Christopher McQuarrie four hour interview. <laughs> He's probably a fan. Right, that is it for this week's postbag. If you would like your questions, comments, feedback, thoughts addressed, then please do send them to us on Twitter via DM at Pilot TV Pod, and I will randomly select them without any forethought or you know preparation when we record next week's show. 
Right, it is time for news, and we should start news, as indeed all things, with Dune! Because why wouldn't we? Because Dune, the prequel series Dune, colon, The Sisterhood, has scored a couple of new cast members. Specifically, it has scored Emily Watson and Shirley Henderson. That's quite exciting, isn't it, Boyd? Yeah, um, I've just been watching Shirley Henderson's in the new Channel 5 um, uh, thriller series that's coming up, which we may end up reviewing. It's not Dune, though, is it? It's not Dune, no, no. but they're both fantastic um, uh, actresses. And, uh, yeah, very good They're news. playing Harkonnens, or Harkonnens, oh, depending on how you choose to pronounce it. But Emily Watson's going to play Valia Harkonnen, while Henderson is playing Tula Harkonnen, and they are two sisters who rise to power in the Bene Gesserit sisterhood. So do you know those characters? No, because oh, okay. I, these feel like things they're from books I haven't read. I don't right. know if they're from the later Frank Herbert books, or if they're from the ones that his son did, because his son's written like 15,000 of the things, yeah. and they're not great. No. So I'm not... Pati- or they could be new for this, I have no idea. Mm. But I'm not particularly versed in anything beyond the core... Is Denis Denis Villeneuve involved in this series at all? He was producing early on. I I seem to recall, and I'd have to double check, I seem to recall he stepped away from it to focus on the films. Yeah, fair enough. But he was certainly involved in its initial stages. Mm. But uh, yes, Mm. I don't believe he is now. Um, Okay. Good, good. Yeah, just after last this this time last week, just after we uh, finished recording the podcast, Kay, mm. um, uh, news broke. The greatest news of all broke, <gasps> which is that the new series of American Horror Story mm. starts soon. NYC, it's called American Horror Story NYC, um, and it's the eleventh season. And the cast includes Billy Lord, Zachary Quinto, Sandra Bernhardt, Patty Lupone, Dennis O'Hare. Uh, uh, Joe Mantello, Charlie Carver. These are all regulars, yeah. by the way, in the... Um, Shane Ryan Beth Murphy. here to feedback yeah. on this problem. In the Ryan Murphy universe. And Russell Tovey. Really? Oh, Russell's yes. in American Horror Story. Which I have known, we obviously, for Russell. months. Of course you have. I've had to keep the secret for months, but it's brilliantly exciting. He's is he like wearing the, the rubber man suit? No. No. He's playing a detective, Right, is all I can say, I think. And there's no... As is Ryan Murphy's um, won't... He doesn't give out any like descriptions or press releases. He just he posted, you know, pictures were posted of the of the posters this time last week to confirm that it was arriving soon. Um, everyone else is like trying to work out who everyone's playing, I, but he is playing a detective, Russell, and he's one of the lead characters. Oh wow! Um, it's all set in, in New York City. Everything about it is going to be incredible. I am, and obviously Beth is a big anti, um, has a big issues with Ryan Murphy, as, as as do I in certain situations. But what I do love is American Horror Story. And I'm hugely excited by the whole idea of this particular series. But here's the thing, right? It's arriving on um, October 19th in America on FX via Hulu, whatever the fuck that channel yes. thing is here. But Disney Plus, who have the rights to it here, have not confirmed and refused to confirm because I asked them <laughs> when the fuck it's getting coming. I'm swearing. Yeah, when the fuck it's coming to our screens in the UK. So, and last year. Fans of the show will remember that American Horror Story, the previous season... The double feature? The double feature. Mm. That arrived, I think, roughly in the spring slash summer of last year and took a couple of months to get to Disney Plus, much to the outrage of people like me. Um, So I really hope they just... Because back in the day, when there was the Fox Channel, remember? Mm -hmm. When the Fox Channel existed, who showed um, The Walking Dead and American Horror Story, they would always show it the next day. It would, it would arrive like absolutely the next day, which is one of the great things about it. But now there's so much stuff on Disney+, Plus because Disney+, Plus includes pretty much every fucking outlet, and <laughs> I'm swearing a lot now, every, you know, all of these different kind of supplies of content that they all incorporate within the Disney+, Plus streaming umbrella. I, I think they have to find slots for them, and they, not, they won't just put Listen, it out. Listen, patience enough. is a virtue. No, it's not. <laughs> not in the case of American Horror Story starring Russell Tovey. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so anyway. Pull your finger out. Pull your finger out, Disney Plus is the message. Okay, good to know. Speaking of Disney Plus, Emma Caulfield 
aka Anyanka, the vengeance demon from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, <laughs> is reprising her role as Dottie, which she did in WandaVision, in Agatha Coven of Chaos or House of Harkness or whatever it's called at this excited. particular moment in time. I got excited thinking you can say Agatha Christie. <laughs> yes, she will be playing Agatha Christie, the witch. There's only one Agatha in James's world yeah. and there's only one Agatha, Agatha yeah, in your yeah, world yeah. and That's they're right. very different Agathas. They are different Agathas. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. Mine Could it be Miss Marvel? Yeah. Okay, Chaos fine. magic than yours, mm. possibly. We don't know that, actually. I don't know a lot about Agatha Christie. She might have been a witch. It's, it's unclear. But um, <laughs> She did famously disappear for a period, yeah, hence that? the film mm. uh, starring uh, Vanessa Redgrave. No, was it a year or was it a week? Oh, no, it was a few weeks. A matter of weeks, I think. Oh, right. Well, she went on holiday. Um, basically, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good, but it was before, like, Twitter Spoiler and stuff alert. on Instagram, so no one knew where she was. Spoiler alert, she went on holiday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Boyd, I'm very surprised Go on. that you did not lead with a certain news story. Oh, okay. Oh, is this... Yeah. It is. Frasier. It is Frasier. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, okay. after, the, uh, after being mooted and developed for about 19 months, finally Paramount Plus <laughs> has, um, has you know, done a series order. You know, mm. so it's all in development now. It's ha- actually happening. Kelsey Grammer's going to be in the lead role, as always. <laughs> the regulars, uh, Niles, Daphne, and, oh my God, Roz. That's mm. it, Roz. Mm. They're not going to be regulars, but they might make cameos. And mm. it's all going on. It's happening. It's yeah. happening. To be honest, I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, in, I'm, I'm interested slash worried slash, you know. Why are you worried? Because Frasier's one of the greatest comedies of all time and it could besmirch the great, mm. um, the great name of the original. But I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be fine. But And, and also, um, the, it, it got worse. Frasier's last couple of seasons, once the whole Niles, Daphne, I've always banged on about this mm. relentlessly, but I'll just add it one more well, time. after they got together. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was a disaster for the show, basically. And um, also now, um, also Martin Crane... A.K.A. Marty, John yeah. Mahoney won't be in Yeah, it. sad, sad times, yeah. He's, he's um, no longer with us, yeah. Um, but I'm mean, fascinated to see what they do with it. There was that brilliant, um, like, fake trailer, wasn't there, which, like, um, yeah. had Frasier yeah. as a, like, crime a thriller. Yeah, it was good. And it was brilliant, mm. if you find it on on the internet. Um, I'd be So if they did say like that, it'd be fascinating. But I just worry that they'll keep up the brilliant standard of writing that, for the most part, the original... Do you know how many... Had. When I was um, reading this story, I just, like, fell down a hole of, like, researching on it. Guess how many Emmys it's won? In its time, over 11 series and... Uh, 67. All right, you've done that annoying thing where you've guessed up. Uh, 37. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I hate you. Yeah, uh, yeah 37. Yeah, yeah. Very no, impressive. it doesn't surprise me. It mm. was... It was it just dominated. Like it was one of those, also one of those rare shows like Seinfeld where it's like a massively popular hit, number one in the American... Uh, ratings, and yet it's an incredibly sophisticated, clever, mm. smart show. And there's a whole you. myth that American, you know, American mainstream American culture is like, you know, basic. But back in the in those yeah, days, in the 90s, Frasier and Seinfeld were like the best shows, the best and most so, popular shows. Obviously, I watched a couple of episodes of Frasier during our much-missed Funny or Dire segment. Oh, uh, yeah. I watched the Ham Radio one. Yes, classic. Uh, which was good, but it didn't make me want to watch any more. Oh, God. But back okay, in the day, fine. I watched all of Cheers and liked it. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, you need to open your mind, maybe. Yeah. yeah. What's your favourite episode of Frasier? Okay. Uh, I can't remember a specific one. My actual like favourite. Ham Radio is I brilliant. really like the one where there's a misunderstanding. <laughs> That's quite funny. Um, <laughs> the best one, my favourite, is where Frasier records a theme tune for his show and he gets an orchestra and choir <laughs> and it's fantastic. And yeah, it's amazing. That's my favourite. Absolute favourite. It's brilliant. <laughs> Well, I want to mention one thing, mm. which is not related to Frasier. Okay. And that is, we mentioned last week that Interview with the Vampire is yes. getting a second season. Yes. But obviously it's aired in the US. First two yeah. episodes have aired, probably three by the time we go out. Apparently it's really good. Yeah. Like the reviews have been really, really good. When are we getting right. it and why Another. don't I know? 
another when the fuck are we getting that yeah it's another show I, I want interview with a vampire is in that on showtime is it showtime yeah, um, it is amc i think i think oh, it's AMC. amc yeah so like yeah I mean, it's, it's, it's like the byzantine threads of where this thing's going to end up i'm i'm un, unclear i'm disney plus so, mm. but uh, but obviously the the the, the lives of the mayfair witches the other and part of the other and rice verse the, the rice verse, I don't know what do you want to call it. That uh, has finally got a date. So that's coming. Uh, well, not a date. It's got. A, it's got a period. It's coming early next year. So that's the one with Clear. Alexandra Daddario. Yes, yeah. <laughs> early next year, early twenty twenty three. Alexandra Daddario as Rowan Mayfair. I've read all of these books, so I'm, I'm very much looking, looking forward. I can to see. It. I can see There's the excitement a, in your eyes. That's James. right. There's a ghost or a Taltos K okay, mm-hmm. uh, called Lasher. So yeah. Enjoy. So then, when I introduce the review, will be are we going on the lasher? With it's going to be great. It's going to be you've, really funny. You've you've used it now. Yeah, pre- no, I'm pre-prepared. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just I'm teasing it. I'm teasing it. It'll come. By uh, the way, there are some. Sorry, there are some out that still. They're already writing about interview with a vampire. British outlets, I see. How are they watching it? That's the question. Jen, they might just, have. They might have saying, stringers in the American. Yeah. yeah. This isn't a stringer. Anyway, okay, sorry, I interrupted. No, I was just going to give you some non-news. Oh, uh, You know, I like to bring a little bit of um, non-super exciting but still notable news, which is that Series 2 of And Just Like That has started filming. Yes. Pictures have yes. emerged of SJP and Kristen Davis. Uh, AKA, Basic pictures. <laughs> AKA Carrie and Charlotte filming in New York. Um, Carrie in a predictably high fashion, wacko outfit, um, but also carrying, and I wanted your opinion on this, guys, um, a pigeon purse. Uh, J.W. Anderson, uh, literally a, a handbag oh, a in the shape no. of a pigeon. Oh, yeah. fine. No, yeah. it's a no from me. I've got a question. I've got a question now. Okay, you were not here when we reviewed this show, mm-hmm. which I believe was referred to variously as a hate crime <laughs> and various <laughs> other things. And Terry tore it a new one and then started watching it compulsively. Yes, yeah. I did I think, so. Boy, didn't you do something similar? Yeah, I, 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 well, I am in the actual initial Interview, but didn't initial review. I didn't hate it. I quite liked elements oh, of it, you? and then really liked certain episodes and hated other episodes. Yeah, I mean, me yeah we were, I think most viewers had the similar. Yeah, love, I mean, hate. like Miranda was an alcoholic for one episode, yeah. possibly two. Yeah. I really hated the character of Ch- uh, Che. Che is an awful, awful character yes. that needs to go. She's yes. a po- she's a oh, podcast host. She's the unfunny stand-up comedian yeah. who needs to go. The whole podcast element, that storyline, trying to make Carrie's career relevant and you know modernize it and stuff. It just needs to go. It didn't work. That needs to go. But there's an exciting rumor that Aiden, played by John Corbett, who was her boyfriend in the actual you know proper series, um, is coming back. Obviously, there's room for him now that Big's dead. And I do, I am excited about that, if that's true. Is he going to drop dead in the shower and she won't call the police? Is that going to yeah, happen that's again? That's right. <laughs> She'll be complicit. She's at it again. She's <laughs> yeah. killed before. She will kill again. Yeah. Listen, yeah. it was a good thing that Noth went. We can all agree on that. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. Noth. Noth. <laughs> Noth. Oh, is it Noth? <laughs> remember, remember my oh, Noth God, story? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God, Talking yes. of pronoun- pronouncing star names at Q&As. Shit, yeah. Yeah, Clash Bang and Christopher Noth. It's Noth. Noth. Um, now we re- I reference this in the introduction but they have gone on the record with some Walking Dead news the Walking Dead universe expands whether we want it to or not uh, so we have got formerly Isle of the Dead the Lauren Cohen uh, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan centred show the sort of Negan and Maggie one is going to be called The Walking Dead colon Dead City which is going to find Maggie and Negan navigating a post-apocalyptic Manhattan cut off from the mainland sounds a bit like Walking yeah. Dead meets Escape from New York I don't know what's going yeah. on here yeah. but uh, I love those two characters so I'm excited to see that the second spin-off is now just called Daryl Dixon this was going to be Daryl and Carol which I was assume was just some <laughs> random odd couple comedy sounds like an ITV drama yeah, set against the apocalypse but now that Carol is no longer in it because she wants to be <clears throat> rid of the Dediverse. Uh, it's just Daryl Dixon. So he's going to be doing that. And that's just going to be him essentially wandering out. Apparently, he's going to 
It's it's Daryl in Paris. So it's absolutely true. Daryl Dixon is somehow finding his way to Paris. Oh my God. Where he's, so it's, I know, it's zombies in the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. I, how zombies come there, to Europe. I just do not even know. Walking Dead European Vacation. Yeah, yeah. basically that. Yeah. I, I don't know what's happening there. But Daryl Dixon goes on holiday. That's the other one. And then obviously the Rick and Michonne series uh, is coming as well. Obviously. So, yeah, I mean... I don't really know what to say about this. I'm I'm interested to see the Dead City one because I like those characters, but the other things make me feel a bit tired. So, <laughs> I mean, if you're tired, then yeah. And yeah. I'm I think we've established the only person alive still watching mm. Walking Dead. So, uh, yeah, you are definitely. Yeah. That is it's just me. Yeah. I will I will, however, update you, Boyd, when I've watched the most recent Please God. crunch of thank episodes. You, thank you for recognising that only Boyd was interested. <laughs> yeah, in that I'd, I'd seen that. I'd seen that. I was, there's no point. Kay's losing Kay. the will to live. She's like, absolutely yeah, not in the news section. Breaking news, Kay yeah. loses will to live. She will not sanction my buffoonery. Um, do you have any other news before we move um, on from this dead section? <laughs> no, I don't. No, it's fine. Excellent. Then let's move on to this week's reviews. No. No, let's not do this week's reviews because we've got another guest. Yes. I forgot we had another guest. We have another guest. It's time for this week's second guest. Of course, as you've heard already, most of us have been glued to the exploits of the Garvey sisters over the past few weeks in Bad Sisters. Now, the season comes to an end this Friday and star and co-creator, the one and only Sharon Horgan, talked to Boyd about the show's final episodes and whether or not she slid the landing, jumped the landing, <laughs> walked under the landing or did something with the landing. Uh, fear not, there are no spoilers for the finale in in this interview. Is that right, Boyd? I'm just saying yes, that. I don't know absolutely. for a fact. No. Right. No spoilers yeah. at all. No, I, is, I, I, I recite some lines, but they won't make any sense. Fine, in the okay, there are no spoilers. You have a, a Boyd Hilton guarantee. Yes. I've not listened to the interview, but Boyd guarantees <laughs> there are no spoilers for the finale, so you can watch it in absolute safety. Any problems at Boyd Hilton on Twitter, feel free to take it <laughs> oh, up with believe him. me, they will. Excellent. Here's Boyd and Sharon Horgan. Um, well, welcome to the Pilot TV podcast, Sharon. Uh, good to see you. Um, are, we, are we talking to you live from your own home? Yeah, it's live from my um, bedroom, actually. There's, uh, I've oh. got five kittens at the moment. They're just wow. um, two of them on the ground. Yeah. So How come you've got five kittens? Because my cat got pregnant by mistake. And um, until I until I give them, all their owners are getting them this week. So Because it's like um, they're 11 weeks old now. So, so um, they're about to go. But I feel like... I don't know. They're like my family now. I've spent a lot of time in my bedroom these last few weeks trying to write something and they're um they're just everywhere and I don't know how I'm gonna cope without them. Yeah. Wow. That's 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 a major <laughs> life change having five kids all of a sudden. Yeah. Um bad sisters then. Uh I was just I was it's it's become a kind of proper, I think talked about phenomenon like everyone in my office we, we we kind of ask people in our office like you know what are you watching at the moment what should we write about and everyone's saying bad sisters oh i'm Did, glad that's great it, yeah and i think for, like for a streaming show is it hard sometimes to kind of work out exactly how if it's punching through and how how many I, people I, I found it really hard like i i've had this weird um situation where even shows that of of mine from youngs ago that not really many people watched like dead boss would always like you know uh a trend on twitter or you know you just get this instant sort of reaction yeah. um you know um people on the street or whatever so this i found really really weird because it had this initial kind of you know it kind of it it, it opened quite noisily because of um critics and stuff and then i'm just like what's happened yeah <laughs> Is yeah anyone watching and uh 
you know, um, it's really hard. I mean, even when something's on Amazon or any of the streamers, they don't really sort of want to tell you. I don't know why, how many people are watching. But, you know, I know all the noises are good and I know there's, you know, an atmosphere of, um, you know, I hear enough from friends and friends of friends to know that people are kind of talking about it. So and that's like with Motherland, I remember like the big thing when we realized it was it sort of broken through was when it kind of it goes from the critics pages into sort of, you know, the regular pages and people are going, what mum are you? And stuff like that. So when people start doing fan art of BB, then I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, did you, uh, This is a show that is adapted from a Belgian original. Yeah. Um, I'm loving the fact that you have to do with all the cats. <laughs> Listeners. <Yeah. laughs> oh, that one's incredible. Yeah. Do they have names? Do they have, like... Yeah, they all have names. Oh, I'm okay. sorry. No, no. That's good. Do you name them after the sisters in Bad Sisters? I, I named them after a variety of things, but one of them is called Grey One because it's grey. And okay. we have we we make this um animation called House Broken and 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 the grey one is called the grey one. Um because uh, he lives with a hoarder lady who's got like a cat lady basically who's got yeah. thousands of cats and yeah. they're all like, you know, the one-eyed one, the grey one. <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> so as I was saying, yeah, the, the whole one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this this must be a completely different show for you to have written and worked on and produced because it's like it seems like nothing else that you've done before. Uh, yeah. Firstly, in terms of it's adapted from the Belgian original. Yeah. They yeah. also have so many elements: the thriller element, the kind of who done it, what happened element, the comedy. I know. What was it like for you to kind of get corral that whole thing together and and uh, and, and write it and make it? Well. Um... Yeah, it's a really um, weird one because I had no interest in doing any of those things. <laughs> you know, I was fully primed to just like get back into my half hour sitcom um, safety blanket. And um, and then, yeah, Jay Hunt, who I'd worked with at Channel 4, said, you just just give this a watch. And, and I've been sent things, you know, over the years to be adapted and um you know uh, books or you know um <clears throat> turning something from an israeli series into a uk and nothing had ever really chimed with me in any way and then i just watched one episode and i kind of thought well i sort of have to do this because um you know um because even though it was something completely different and it is a thriller and there's a lot of drama in there and it's it's hour long and and all this and an adaptation it still felt like um I, I I felt like I knew how to do it. I felt like I knew what my version of it would be. And I think especially when I figured out, you know, why, where, where to set it and, and why and, and who these sisters were, I kind of felt like, well, I can kind of do everything I want to do, but through this, um, you know, five headed um, woman. And, uh, and also I figured, you know, I would learn a lot from, from doing um, a thriller. And, and I really did. I mean, I was like heavily safety netted by the original, which is fantastic, but it is completely different tonally and just, you know, I don't know if you ever saw it, but it's super yeah. wacky and has sort of Chinese mafia. And, yeah. You know, yeah. people end up in dog food and there's a really high body count. And, and I just, um, at the heart of it all, I what I saw was the sister's relationship and I saw the brother's relationship and and I saw this, you know, abusive, coercive, terrible um, marriage at the heart of it. And uh, and I just thought I can sort of I feel like I do know how to corral all those things together. And and 
this felt harder because when it is when it is dark, it's you, you just can't get that kind of thing wrong. It felt like an enormous responsibility. And and then on the other end, it's way wackier than anything I've done. So you're having to balance, you know, four women um hiding in in a in a in a bedroom while, you know, a hypnol man is peeing in a cupboard with, you know, really kind of hardcore brutal scenes of, you know, um of abuse. So it was really scary. But then everything I think should be a little bit scary. Otherwise, uh, you know, you know you're not kind of challenging yourself. Yeah, completely. From what I remember of the original, you're right. The tone was so like the tone of the original was felt like very kind of heightened and the performances kind of quite big. Like, was you making this this is naturalistic, like right from the start, even though you've got wild things happening. <laughs> It, the performances and the writing and the dialogue and all that feels very natural. So was that the key, like making it, how are these people just going to respond to all these yeah. insane events? Yeah, it was to normalise everything um, as much as possible. And also, you know, my 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 thought was like, as 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 um, inherently comic as the, the premise is, crazier shit happens you know i mean i i watched a lot of sort of murder documentaries and and podcasts and you know um while i was doing it and definitely stranger shit happens in real life and and uh you know so so i think it was it, it felt right to sort of normalize it but and it, it, it what the the thing the big difference from the original is um, the collateral damage in the original is is a body count. And for me, I kind of thought collateral damage has to be the impact it has on the sisters. You know, you can't decide to to cross over, you know, to to you, you can't come back from that. I mean, and so so for me, it was about how it affects their relationships, how it affects their own psyche. You know, I mean, there is obviously other collateral damage along the way because it kind of has to to build and mount up and you have to you have to want to stick with this over 10 episodes and 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 constantly continue to want to kill him so um yeah that was another uh another sort of tricky thing to wrangle but but yeah it felt it felt easier than you'd think to 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 normalize the this situation and have them discuss trying to murder someone that many times in a in a way that felt like just regular sister chat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Um <laughs> and were you did you always want to play Eva? Was that because you could have you could have not been in it or you could have just you know you you you're busy enough working yeah. on Yeah. Well I'm often not in things now mm. and I and I quite I quite like that. Um filming, you know, when you're when you're in the sort of makeup chair at five in the morning or whatever it is much harder to, you know, wrangle sort of family life around. But um but everyone, but I did want to be in this because I, um, it did, it looked, it's so much fun and filming in Ireland and, and being part of a big family like that. And, uh, but no, every ask any of the actors in it, including the, the boys, they all wanted to be BB. You know, everyone wanted a, an eye patch and a bow and arrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's the nearest thing to sort of a Marvel character. You know, she's like, yeah. she's a superhero and, um, so so but you know in actual fact it was all about figuring out the um the, the ages and you know i mean it's not it's not that easy to get that chronology or chronologically right and also um you know they all had to be irish and this kind of thing so you were, you were kind of like um hemmed in a little but for for me at the end of the day i kind of thought um 
I like the idea of playing someone who is who's that sort of maternal and that much of a giver because quite often I play quite selfish characters and uh and and I I really relish the opportunity of 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 making a woman who's um you know childless um not because she wants to be because you know uh that's what life has dealt her but making her not a a tragic character you know um she she's her sisters are are everything to her and it's kind of it's why she she puts up with his shit because she wants to keep this this family table together and uh um but but she she could have easily been a, a much more tragic character and i i felt like a you know i felt like i sort of knew what i was doing you know and i just wanted to sort of mother hen all all those other girls yeah but you do that, that uh, that's the brilliant thing about she is like heroic the way she keeps everyone together and kind of keeps yeah. the whole thing kind of going along you know, yeah kind of ticking along and and always seems to kind of find the right moment to to actually get down to brass tacks and what they're going to do with about this guy kind of thing i thought it was really interesting that she's the one she kind of drives the whole thing in a way yeah she does i mean she she she's obviously bb's the one who kickstarts it but once she's uh once she's on board, it's like get that job done, you know. Um, have you? I, I I did another interview a while ago where where I was saying I, I I used to nothing to do with the show. Like way before that, dream have a lot of dreams about you know um, murdering yeah people and like the the worst thing of all was like not get it not getting it done but yeah. still having you know like the sort of blood on your hands type thing. Um, so I, I felt like that would be something that everyone could kind of relate to that idea of like, you know, you've already crossed over, you have to finish the job, tapping into everyone's sort of, it's, it's like a, a, a mixture of wish fulfillment and, and worst nightmare, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Did you, the bond, the, the kind of on-screen bond with the sisters is, is incredible that all of you together seems such a kind of real relationships did you kind of did you have like a kind of you know rehearsal period where you all kind of just hung out together and got to know each other did you do that yeah kind of thing? we did and you don't often get that in tv anymore everything's sort of once you get green lit it's just like such a kick bollock scramble and 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 you know you're too busy you know running around the place doing really practical um stuff but um our direct director of our first block Devla walsh i think an amazing irish woman um so so talented but such a laugh as well she just um you know got us all together and we spent quite a bit of time just like talking and also like swimming and you know just spending time and but but also i sort of i kind of knew who i wanted these sisters to be and and a good portion of it apart from them all being brilliant performers was i i think i'd like to hang out with those people for mm. 10 months because yeah. it's a long time, you know, um, I only realized, I mean, you know, Rob and I like six weeks, six, seven weeks, maybe you're kind of, and it feels yeah. like, it feels like forever, but like 10 months is just, that's just your life. You yeah. know, it's not yeah. like a job, it just becomes your life. So, so it's really important to be surrounded by people that you, you're really happy to see every morning, you know? Yeah, but yeah. Um, that everyone's brilliant. I did want to single out a couple of things. Like Anne Marie Duff, like she feels like the, the, physically like worn down. She yeah. look, that that just that's incredible, wasn't it? That how a, a woman dealing with this abuse, like you really yeah. like feel it every time she's on the screen. I thought that was oh, incredible. And 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 even more than that, though. But I mean, I knew she'd be I I incredible. And 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 you know, she is the the heart of the show. Really, you have to 
for, for you you have to want to rescue her you know you you um you have to um feel everything she's going through but at the same time you 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 also want to enjoy um seeing her on screen it can't just be this sort of you know raw pain all the time i mean that that's there when it needs to be but she brought so much kind of life and joy and like this kind of childlike kind of quality to her when she's with her daughter and when she finally when she gets to be with the sisters and I, I knew it was working when I would I'd sort of be looking at it, watching um, cuts with my daughter and she just responded to her so well. So I knew it wasn't going to feel bleak. I mean, it's mm. bleak and brutal when it has to be, but she just, and Amory came with that, you know, she was just like, you know, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and she was absolutely right. It was, um, it's a really like nuanced performance. Yeah. And clash bang. I mean, Absolutely, just one of the great all-time monsters of of TV <laughs> drama, whatever you want to call it. He is just extraordinary, isn't he? How, yeah. Was he? He must be must have been key to to find that someone that. No, it's funny, isn't it? The casting process is just never never ceases to to amaze me. And um, you know, he was Nina Gold, our, our casting director's um, stroke of genius. And I I I had seen the Square years ago and. And instantly was fascinated by him, you know, and I, everyone was, everyone who saw that was like, who is that guy? Where has he been? Where's he going? And, uh, but, um, you know, the idea of him, you know, cause he's a Danish actor, he's playing sort of Swedish in this and I'll, I'll be, he's lived in Ireland for a long time, you know, still that sort of, um, otherness. And as soon as he was cast, it sort of changed everything because, um, it just opened the world out more. It sort of made him more of an outsider. You know, that thing of not being able to be part of this family is part of the reason why he's become this monster. You know, if they just sort of allowed him in a bit more, maybe, you know, um, but there's all sorts of reasons for that. And that's no excuse. But the idea that we have this one scene and it's on, you know, it's an Easter lunch and um, all the girls are, are reciting an Easter rising poem and, uh, um and he's just watching them you know from 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 the hallway and it's one of those moments where you actually feel something for him you know he he's he was able to sort of um find those little moments here and there there's one moment coming up in episode 9 that i just think is going to blow people's heads off when they when they see his performance but anyway casting's the thing that just changes everything i mean it's a really obvious thing to say but um if you're as obsessed by it as i am then it it always pays off you you always like reach places that are unexpected yeah because in this kind of show every single every single there's such a big ensemble isn't it and every single one in, in this feels like perfect for it yeah you're right, like darren mccormack like kind of so hot for example he has to be isn't he? he's like he's just you could completely believe that, that that she'd fall for him and that you know in the middle of that and whole he'd thing. fall for her and he'd fall for her, her. oh god yeah right she's have, like absolutely ridiculous. yeah the all, all i mean look there i all of them i could talk about them all mm. day long mm. like and i i i was trying to explain to them you know you spend that long watching them all i mean obviously we all filmed it together all really close WhatsApp groups, all of that. But then I go away and I'm just like watching all of them for another like 10 months or whatever. And you get this, you, you're, you fall in, in love with every single um, one of them. And uh, so, yeah, we could do another podcast with just me talking yeah. about 
Fine, yeah. All the actors. We could do that. We could do, we could do a post, post-mortem one. <laughs> yeah, we're, 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 we're slightly creepy, so yeah. way too... A little bit, Way yeah, too but, obsessed with um, the cast. But fair enough, job. yeah. Um, the... Uh, uh, there's a line in the finale where um, you say you you say um, something like, um, "Oh yeah," because that always turns out really well for women when you're discussing the the yeah. op- options. Oh, God, of course, say. you've seen it all. I'm I have. Like you haven't. Oh yeah. yeah. So you yeah. know that moment in nine. I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. I do. Yeah, I think I do. Yeah. 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 Extraordinary. Yeah. Um, so, but the whole thing, the the, the way that this this show deals with abuse and and what women have to put up with is is really important. It feels like to me, like you really uh, bring it home, you really make it, it really hits home massively. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it's one of those things like that. I don't know whether it's just sort of getting older or or just because the world is such a shit show at the moment that you can't. I find it really hard just to make things sort of for the, for the hell of it, you know. I mean, I, I I think pure entertainment is really important. We all need to escape. But if you have something like this, if you have a show like this where you can actually draw attention to something and we just come out of, well, we were filming it during lockdown, you know, and, and um, you, you know, the, the stats for um, domestic abuse during that period where people were literally sort of locked up with their, uh, with their abusers, essentially what's going on um, a, a, across the world at the moment, it seems where it, terrible decisions are being uh made for <laughs> for women by um men using uh religion and sort of a moral a misplaced moral code to um um subjugate them it, it's just you know i i i i know this isn't um necessarily going <laughs> to change anything but there is a a catharsis to be had from um watching a show that 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 harnesses the frustration and and the anger that that so many people are feeling you know and uh you know i think you know a bit of a valve is is loosened and you know then you you finish watching and you just go make your tea and get back to life but you know for that hour there's something something gained from it I think it definitely feels cathartic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, the, the, the final episode is it, like so much happens in the, like you almost feel like, Oh my God, there's even more things because revelations come tumbling out in the finale, which are extraordinary. Is it, I don't remember the, the I did, I don't think I, I watched the whole of the original. Is it, is it, does it, does it differ quite a lot from the original finale? Yeah. Yeah. It differs in how we, we, I mean, there, there's one similar, um, revelation in, in the finale, but they'd, so they, they sort of structured it. Um, differently, um, it just suited us better to to tell it in that particular way. Um, I I have an absolute obsession with like you know what you call it n- nailing the landing, whatever mm. it's called. Yeah. Um, you know there there's been series I've watched where you know you're like I can't wait to the last one, and then you're yeah. like what mm. you know. Um, so yeah. so I I just I want. <laughs> <laughs> you know, blow people's heads off, and um, I really, I really hope it does. I feel like it's an emotional uh, roller coaster, oh, God, and yeah. it was in many ways the hardest to write. In fact, you know, nine, nine and ten were were really tricky because um, you know, the drama has has sort of hit um a level where it's harder to sort of have a laugh. You know, but at the same time, you need moments where you're, you know, allowing people a bit, a bit of a a release of the tension. So, but yeah, I feel um, I'm excited for people to see it. It's, uh, 
it's a roller coaster, right? Yeah. Oh God, yeah. I think I think you have. What is that phrase? You hit the landing, pull up. Yeah, it's landed. It's a, the landing it's is landed. Gymnast um, term. Yeah. Definitely. There's one without giving anything away. Again, there is there's a brilliant moment where you're all the sisters are standing there and you suddenly start bursting into laughter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's just so good. It's weird that, isn't it? Because on paper, we were like, people were like, I don't know, guys. Mm, That doesn't. I I was like, it's fine. You know, it's a weird thing. Like sometimes you can't really um, explain to someone on paper how, how it'll work and you just like, People just have to to trust to trust you a bit, you know. So that was one of those moments. Yeah, I'm really glad it stayed in. Yeah, that's a great moment. Yeah, and um, I want to ask about the visual because I mean, you've got like beautiful exteriors and interiors. There's some that the houses are uh, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, yeah, yeah, we um we just we we had an incredible designer. We had you know extraordinary DPs and our our directors were all you know as obsessed with um the visual as as, as I was and uh and more so even you know we just we, we you know our locations were a huge part of it you know um where where we you know where we um where we set it, it was like basically Ireland England, Northern Ireland, um, it's across the board and we had to sort of pretend it was all this sort of um, one little spot in Ireland. But, um, you know, we made this at the very, very start, we made this map and we were like, this is where the sisters live. This is where the Claffins are. This is where the 40 foot is and mm. and sort of made it work in our heads. And then we were just, you know, had carte blanche to film wherever, wherever um, the best locations were. But um yeah, I mean that's the art. You know, I I'm really proud of how Ireland looks, and you know, I I think it 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 looks, you know, extraordinary. But it's not it's not it's not too glossy. You know, it's yeah. um, it, it's uh to me that's 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 the real Ireland. You know, it's yeah, just yeah. we found the absolute best little bits. Um, yeah, you're totally right. Beautiful. It's beautiful, but not glossy. That's a really interesting yeah. kind of um, uh, way of putting it. Yeah. 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 Because, you know, and I, and I love, I love glossy. I love escaping into like big little lies and that kind of thing, but that's not what yeah. we wanted the show to be for, for the characters or for the, the settings, you know, I mean, there's some great houses, don't get me wrong, but uh they're um they feel real you know yeah. especially the eva house you know it's all a bit sort of not quite miss havisham but you know <laughs> yes, um, yes completely yes. a lot it's a life lived it's many lives lived. right you know? right for sure um talking of big little lies now that show did have a, a, a further series um yeah. without giving anything away i mean you could have a further series i mean well i mean it was ne- never supposed to be i mean it's a limit it's based on yeah. a, a adapted from a limited series you know so i mean that's the you know at the moment i'm just sort of like we only finished editing it, i know like, i know, you know I a month ago yeah so i'm like barely uh barely got my head back on but um you know you never know i mean i guess it's conversation yeah. Okay. Because those characters, I mean, that's. I just think you know, it's just, once you once you do so well with a limited series, this is what happens, isn't it? You do. It's meant to be a limited series. It does brilliantly. Everyone falls in love with the characters, and then the pressure you want. Everyone's going. Well, I, I'd quite well, like to see it. more. Yeah. 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 You've made a rod yeah. for your own back, Sean. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good problem, though. Yeah. Good problem. Brilliant. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, Congratulations on an amazing series. Yeah. Oh, thanks, fantastic. honey. I really appreciate it.
Right, that was Sharon Horgan. Time now for this week's reviews. And we begin with The Midnight Club, which sees Spookmeister Mike Flanagan back on Netflix after last year's Midnight Mass with a similarly titled, but very different in tone, The Midnight Club. Based on the story by Christopher Pike, this takes place at Brightcliff Hospice for terminally ill teens who all get together at the witching hour to tell scary stories uh, and also promise to sort of come back from the grave and provide proof of life after death. So you've got a sort of strange little... But, but Kay is pointing to Boyd as I, I say this. Well, is this because Boyd has made the same promise to you? Is this is this a thing? Yes. Boyd's going to do this. So when you die, you're going to come <laughs> back and... Making up. Yeah, oh yeah, that's oh, okay. definitely going to happen. Yeah. He's promised yeah. me, if he goes first... <laughs> is, is this a podcast pack that we're doing now? Yeah. Oh, okay. yes. Okay, fine, yes. Oh, I mean, you I... best believe I will haunt the shit out of both of oh, you. God, so. yeah. Oh, I will as well. If you just feel yeah. a little bit of a... Like a breeze on the back of your neck, that's me, just slowly... Blowing on it too. No, okay, it'd be like I'll turn on C and like the Kardashians will come up and I'll be like, mother. <gasps> that is what I'm going to do. Yes, yeah. I re- I rethought that. Now, what Kay is gesticulating about is that she doesn't want to start reviewing this uh, show. She wants me to. Oh, I see. That's yeah. what the pointing was. Yes, it was, for. It was meant to be yeah. subtle, James, but yeah. obviously then you pointed it out. I did. I did you point it out. Well, I think James probably didn't notice it was about to throw to you. So I thought I'd make it <laughs> yeah, quite clear. Yeah, of course. Clear. I was absolutely going to throw it yeah. directly to Kay. Uh, no, no, I will not do that at all. Instead, I will simply say this. Uh, Boyd, I don't know. Tell us a scary story. I don't know. What, tell, what do you think? Good. You, if you're like, not finished writing you, your script, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell us a scary story about this. Are you in the club? Does it? I don't know. I've got nothing. No, fine. Um, it's an interesting one this one because I'm a huge fan of Mike Flanagan. So, oh, as are we. All. As are we all, except for Kate, because she doesn't like horror. Horror. Mm. Stories generally. Ooh, that's yeah. it. I'll watch the Kardashians if you watch all of The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, all of them. <laughs> yeah, 10 episodes each or something. Yeah, yeah. and that's absolutely horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Never sleep again. So, Mike Flanagan is the modern day master of yes. horror, master of suspense. Haunting of Hill House, brilliant. Um, Midnight Mass, phenomenal. And Blind Man, I think it's masterpiece. Blind Man, disappointing, <laughs> but still, I mean, better than like 90% of horror TV things anyway it's still good it's still a lot to enjoy in that it's show fun. but deeply flawed deeply flawed I, mean, I agree and um, he's got another one that, that the, he's got his Edgar Allan Poe Fall of the House of Usher which he's been doing which he just I saw on Twitter this week he announced that they're just wrapped on that mm. so that's coming soon as well for Netflix he's like got a massive deal for Netflix just producing horror series so this is this is but this is a slight anomaly in them because this is from this is co-written with the Christopher Pike as you said who wrote the original 1994 novel and it's a why it's YA Mike Flanagan um, which means all the characters are very much in the traditions of American, particularly kind of YA TV dramas and I guess um, fiction, though I haven't read the original stories, story or anything, in that, you know, there's a kind of, I mean, first of all, they're all in this extreme situation that they're all dying. So they, they are all kind of angst-ridden, in, 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 obviously, inevitably. I mean, in a normal YA um, drama or story, there'll be there will be angst-ridden teenagers, mm-hmm. you know, kind of vying for the role of who can be most angst-ridden. But in this, it actually makes sense because they are all in this extreme situation, staying at this hospice. And the first episode, I thought, took a while to get going. I mean, it establishes, you know, the main character um, who's played by uh, Iman Benson. And she is a young a teen arriving in this hospice. And she has gone out there and researched the place. And she wants to stay there um, and, and get her treatment, etc. Because of what she's read about it and heard about it. And it's a very special place. And you kind of, there's the whole group of people who are there, the teenagers who have to be introduced and explained. So it's very much a setting up the... the 
um, premise episode. And then towards the end of it, you you find out the that they all meet in the Midnight Club. They gather around um, a big table in the basement of the building. I think it's in the basement. And they tell each other... No, not the basement, because that's creepy. Oh, yeah, that's the, the mortuary. Is, you're right, yeah, yeah. The basement is the mortuary. You're right, it's just a dining room, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a yeah, dining room. Yeah, it's a dining table. Sorry, yeah, correct. Anyway, edit that bit. Um, and they all tell each other, basically, um, scary stories. They do. And those stories are dramatised. And I thought this... I actually think the episode suddenly got going in mm. the first um, episode when the scary story arrived. Um, and then just in terms of, like the atmosphere and quite interestingly like visually it changes aspect ratio a lot so it starts out as 1.5 to 1 normal TV full, <laughs> you full, lost full screen I know 1.85 um, to 1 I barely know how to switch my then TV it switches, on then it switches to I think 2.0 to 1 and then it switches again in, 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 so there's inter- interesting I think there's three different aspect ratios in this which I'm an aspect ratio is junkie yeah, it is interesting but visually it gets more interesting and stylish I think when these um, kind of heightened horror stories are being told by these kids and the, 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 the idea then is there's definitely some spooky goings on within this house as well there's kind of glimpses of scary things I'm sure Kate got annoyed about she doesn't like being scared and that's when she <laughs> texted us saying I'm really glad I've got hold of the uh, screeners for the Midnight Club <laughs> But even still, by the end of episode one, I think it's got an odd tone in that it's very YA and very, and at the same time trying to be a Mike and Mike Flanagan scary thing. And I presume, you know, that's that's being you know being true to the original book um, written by Christopher Pike. But I thought it didn't. Necess- I thought the the treatment of the characters, the teenage, was a bit patronising. I felt really, yeah. I just thought that. At least initially, um, I, I just thought there's, there's something in their dialogue and in the way they interact that was a bit like adults writing about teenagers syndrome um, that you get quite often in this kind of show. It's a hard thing to pull off. Like, think how brilliant. I always revert to the example of sex education that has the dialogue in that show manages to somehow be, be completely believable and funny and sharp. And in this, I think it, there weren't like, the, there's one really sharp Irish young woman in it mm. who's who's kind of horrible basically yeah she's very spiky very spiky but her dialogue I thought could have been wittier and it, she just comes across as being a bit horrible and nasty and I'm sure she'll be redeemed in fact I've watched episode 2 as well which is her she tells her story which is a very interesting story and again is a very stylish thing it's always towards the end of the episode so far in one or two where the, the Midnight Club bit arrives um, I just think it needs to I, I, I'm I'm Absolutely massive Mike Flanagan fan. I just didn't quite buy some of these characters and the way they speak. And it felt a little, as I say, a little bit patronizing. But it's still, it's still really well done. And it's still interesting. And the, the stories in particular are, are brilliantly done, actually. But I'm not entirely convinced as yet, is what I'd say. Fair enough. Hmm. Okay. I, as we've established, this is not my sort of hmm. bag usually. But I do agree with Boyd in that my interest was piqued at the end when the Midnight Club assembled and they started telling their stories because also I think then the characters having been established they were able to like for me the strongest part is the gallows humour of the kids right that was for me the funniest part of it and their interaction and then other than that I was just a bit scared by some of the jumps <laughs> but it's, it's not terrifying but and yeah they obviously they make light of the, the yeah. jumps that the yeah, story's yeah, yeah. about and it's like the jump scares are lazy and then there's what like 15 jump scares yeah. in <laughs> swift succession all of which are quite freaky as well That's like it's yeah. quite like it is, oh yeah. this is quite intense yeah that was quite funny that bit yeah yeah. There's, yeah. it's a very scream-esque isn't it kind of it a, a self-aware yes, very, reference very to jump right, it's got that arch element yeah yeah. yeah, so I'm not sure it entirely pulled off. No, like it's like the I the idea of this 
bugged me a little bit because I thought, oh God, this isn't going to be just an excuse to have an anthology show, is it? Where they will tell a story each week, and it's, which is not, and there is an element yeah. of that, but it isn't the whole episode, which no. is good because uh, I need an ongoing narrative to keep my attention. I enjoyed the fact that Zach Guilford is back in this, having appeared in Midnight Mass and obviously, famously, Friday Night Lights. Uh, Heather Langenkamp is in this, Nancy from Nightmare on Elm Street as well, as yeah. the sort of head of the hospice. Um, I thought, I know what you're saying. Like, I liked some of the characters. I was less fond of the others. I think part of it is a dialogue thing. Like it just, it, it, if sometimes it just didn't ring true to me. Um, so I, I, I'm not a hundred percent sold on this. Not certainly not in the way I have mm. with some of his previous work. Yeah. I do think I want to watch the rest of it. Whether I will or not is not the matter. But. Yeah, like it's it's and it's not the YA ness that bothers me because as you know, like YA is very much my bag. But there's something about the setup that I do love a YA. <laughs> but there's something about the setup here about like terminally ill yes. teenagers, which is this really is... it's a big downer. It bummed me out. That's yeah. the thing. That's why I yeah, texted course, you guys because yeah. I was like, watch, by the way, did you watch the second episode? I haven't finished. Oh, uh, well, I have big issues with episode two. Okay, I mean, all I'd say, I, don't, I can't spoil it, but there's some really, there's some really grim stuff in episode two. Well, this is the thing, like, I, like exactly as you're saying, like it bummed me out to such an extent that the scares almost were slightly deadened by the fact that I was just quite depressed by the end of the episode. Mm. I found it just really kind of like a dour, kind of unpleasant subject. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it, it, it's it's not like a happy-go-lucky type thing. <laughs> No. I mean, inherently, it's a good thing that, you know, there is a story about, because there are people who of course. are in this situation. But yeah, it's it's not necessarily... And, and that, I think that's what it is. That's the problem for me. I think it's their attempts to make it not as dour yeah. as you expect it to be, which they have to do, because it is trying to be saying that's where the patronising element comes in. Yeah, me. I it's think like you're right. The only way around that is to be a little bit like, oh, they're fine, they're not, they're all kind of nice, really. Kind of, There's a bit of that going on. Yeah. And um, I don't think that that fully works. Um, but I have to say, but actually, the episode gets really extreme. And to funny, going back to what we're talking about with the lack of family shows, this is another YA show that has up-swearing, really gory violence, especially from in episode two, not so much in episode one. But I, I, honestly, if you'd have watched episode two, you'd have been furious. No, yeah, exactly. It's quite I'm not gonna... extreme. It's <laughs> I'm quite, not and, I, and I had some issues. I can't, we can't really talk about that until it's gone out. Um, but yeah, I mean, actually, it does go out this Friday, doesn't it? But anyway, it's it's episode two is a tough watch, I'll tell you. Yeah. Okay, well, that is The Midnight Club, which dropped, dropped last Friday on yes. Netflix. So you can watch it now. Yes. Uh, next this week, we have The Ex-Wife, which you've already heard a lot about, but it is proof, if proof were required, that exes are a very messy business. Kay, <laughs> is it The Excellent Wife? <laughs> wow. I don't know. That was terrible. Yeah, I know. Uh, it is. It's this is very good. It's based on Jess Ryder's 2018 psychological thriller novel. Um, it's four episodes and it drops all in one go, which I'm very happy about yeah. because I mean I only got time to watch the first episode because I watched it very late last night. Um, but I'm desperate to watch uh the second one because it just draws you in. The the premise is Tasha, played by Celine Buckins, who you've just heard, um has a dream life. She's living with her handsome, loving husband, Jack, played by Tom Misson, and their beautiful daughter, Emily. But the main... Jack being, of course, Lord Harlan from C, C. on oh. Apple TV+. Plus. Wow. And also he's from Sleepy Hollow, right? Um, yeah, so anyway, so they live this nice life, but there is a fly in the ointment in the in the form of Jen, who is Jack's ex-wife, played by Janet at Montgomery. And she's always there, literally, to use a well-coined phrase, there's three of them in this marriage. And, you know, it starts to grate on Tasha, understandably. Um, 
and she's just had enough of it. So it's about the dynamic, which is completely off, and just and figuring out just how interwoven Jack and Jen's lives still are because something is not adding up. Um, it's very intriguing. I'm desperate to watch the rest of it. I have a theory of what's happening. I'm not entirely, but I'm, I'll discuss that off mic so I don't want to give any spoilers. But for me, it was as stylish and seductive as. Do you remember Surface? Yeah, of course. Um, the one with Gugu Mbatha Raw, is that how you say Mbatha Raw? Mbatha Raw. Yeah. Um, especially from the property porn aspects, because I do mm. want their house. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it feels very slick and well produced. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm, 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 it's very, um, it's got a really good um, eye catching, invo- immediately kind of involving um, story. Uh, she's brilliant, um, obviously, Celine. And it shows you that as you as you mentioned in your intro to her interviews, she's so fantastically horrible in mm-hmm. that role um, in show trial, and in this, you're completely on her side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though there is a possibility she's being, it's got it does that. Is she being paranoid? Is there something really, really horrible going on? Vibe that, that they work very well. well. There's a cold open that kind of makes it clear yeah. that there's something. Oh, yeah, there's something. something yeah, that's true. Sorry, yeah, there's something, something going on, but but quite what well, the extent of it, you're not sure. Um, so she's just fantastic, really. Um, and. What I found it odd though about it was it's just weird. This is a Paramount Plus, you know, kind of slightly random British <laughs> four-part thriller that could easily be on ITV or Channel Five, even. Or do you know what I mean? It's got no, it's like slightly. No, no, no. I'm not as criticizing for that. I'm just saying I, I, I'm commenting almost on the tactic of. Well, it's a Paramount Plus original, isn't it? Like, it's a Paramount Plus original. It, yeah, it, yeah. So. No, they've made it. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah. So I'm just interested in the tactics almost of the streaming service Paramount Plus, like you know that they're commissioning this stuff. Um, that, as I say, could well be on on lots of other different channels, really. No reason why they shouldn't. I'm not saying they shouldn't. Okay, you're looking at me like I'm mad. Yeah, I don't think it would be on ITV. Oh, why, I mean, would, would it not be on ITV? <laughs> <laughs> no the way I think it 100% would. 100% would. Um, and, but that's not criticism, because unlike James, who's really snobby about ITV <laughs> dramas, some ITV dramas are really good, and this yeah, is, would course. be a really good yeah. one. A really good, it's, it's definitely... Compl- I have no, I'm not complaining about the quality of it at all. Interestingly, it's entirely filmed, though, in Budapest. Do you know this? Is it? Yeah. What? If you I look at the... Yeah, and the reason why I, I, I looked it up is because if you look at the credits, everyone or the whole crew is like got Eastern European oh, yeah, names. I'm like, this is that, weird. Yeah, yeah. And then I looked it up, and yeah, so the whole thing it was a six week shoot in Budapest, um, doubling the Hungarian capital for London, which is <gasps> and that just shows you they do a good job. There's loads of so there's basically tax exemptions for filming in Budapest. Yeah. Lots of British shows are filmed in Budapest, but this is one of the few examples I've seen where it doubles for London and quite effectively. Yeah, like, definitely. I was literally like, this is just set in London in the night house. I want to go see that house. Yeah, yeah, but it's all in. I mean, mm. I bet that exterior probably is somewhere in London of the house but everything the whole thing the interiors were gorgeous yeah they are Um, but the whole thing but just as an odd as as an odd thing so I think it's like I I really enjoyed it I'm just fascinated by for example like you know the whole um, NBC Universal kind of thing recently HBO like they're cutting back on like local creative you know like making commissioning like European shows and stuff like that they're, they're cutting back on that they're like well let's stick to our core you know American shows which, which get shown internationally anyway but whereas Paramount Plus seem to be going doing now we're going to do everything including create our own original yeah, I think series good for like them, Paramount oh Plus. I'm fully behind it of course <laughs> Yeah. What did you think, James? I enjoyed it actually. It's. Uh, I know what you mean. I like. I. I could. I could see the ITVness of it. In Listen, but not. Not no, in a kind I'm of standing for this. It, You're you saying know. it as if it's an insult. It's not. Um, it's not from me, honestly. Just it's just, accept, actually, it's not. Just I did not it's say it, I did not say it as an insult at all. <laughs> yeah, he did. No, I, he's, he's, might, he's got that you, smug look on his face as well. That's just which my is pretty face. Standard. That's his face. That's, that's his face. resting face. It's like <laughs> resting <laughs> smug face. 
um, no, no, I, I, I know what you mean in terms of like the texture and the tone of it. But yeah, yeah. it is. It, but this this feels like one of those, you know, like when I'm patronising you say, hey, look, it's good and it's on ITV. It feels like one of those sort of right. things. I actually exactly. did enjoy it and it's pacey and it's interesting and I want to see where it was going and it kind of wrong foots me. And I like, I think she plays the part really well. And I think it's funny when you go into it with the baggage of having watched her in Show Trial, like having that in the back yeah. of your mind when you go yeah. into this. But yeah, it's an interesting dynamic because she's the sort of the younger, newer wife and it's the older, older wife uh, the older, older wife, the older previous wife, I <laughs> yeah, should the say. Older other wife. The older, other wife, yes. yes. Uh, who's kind of like the quote unquote problem. Um, yeah. But it, yeah, it, yeah, I want to see how it goes. The, the, the friends of the. Uh, yeah, it's are, an interesting they dynamic are as well. Yeah. Bellends. They are absolute bones. But, it's, but it's, so it's very interesting. It's, it's an yeah. entertaining yeah. setup yeah. that she's got a friend who is an ex boyfriend who doesn't like her new husband, but he's obviously around exactly. quite a lot who she fell out with to make it. Anyway. Played yeah. by uh, Jordan uh, Stevenson. Oh yeah, absolutely. And he's, he's, he's brilliant. He's in great. It. Yeah, he, yeah, he's very believable. Yeah, he, I really, I love John Stevens. Yeah, he's great and everything. He he's was, ace. Yeah, 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 he's very good. All right. Well, we are running slightly short of time, so I will oh, say sorry. the ex-wife. Then <laughs> sorry. Yes, uh, airs on Paramount Plus. When Boydy. Um, oh God! Now you're asking. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, the twelfth of October. Twelfth of October. Because I actually have it in front of me. Yes. but Obviously, just hadn't looked at it. Okay. Right. The twelfth of October on Paramount Plus. The ex-wife. Finally, this week we've got Shantaram, which is Apple's latest lavish series, and one which takes Charlie Hunnam to Bombay via a variety of different accents, having recently <laughs> escaped from prison and determined to start anew. Uh, this, it has to be said, is the airport novel of choice. I think for backpackers over the last ten to fifteen years. Uh, but did this? Did this do it for you, boy? Did it? fly off the shelf for you uh, almost perhaps not quite fully um, I think Kay's read the original book haven't you mm-hmm. oh, okay. what I should yeah. have said is it Shantaram or is it Shitaram oh that's good <laughs> yeah, we're that's trying good. to keep swearing to a minimum you yeah, okay. that. Too, late, too late for that <laughs> yeah as you allude to um, is he supposed to be South African is that right is that, he's is... supposed to be Kiwi he's supposed Kiwi, to be sorry. the yeah, with Charlie right. Hunnam and I've got a lot of time for Charlie Hunnam I absolutely love Charlie he always sounds like a Geordie doing another accent yeah he does hey man I'm from New Zealand exactly and it's just like I can't do it those will follow my Instagram will know that I recently posted a page from episode issue 7 of Heat from 1999 yes I saw that yeah, where you interviewed him for Queer as Folk first mm. famous person I've interviewed was Charlie Hunnam um, well you talked to him about rimming exactly yeah got to the, got to the nub of all the matter the, all the big I mean, issues it was about Queer as Folk just to put it in that context yes um, it was just, just random <laughs> random <laughs> chat so Charlie I've been first watching Sons yeah. of Anarchy let's talk about rimming yeah and he was lovely and it's kind of amazing to see his, his career you know Sons of Anarchy etc yeah. flourish and, and he's very good he is very good and he's very um likeable in this even though he's playing like a criminal basically who yeah. escapes from jail yeah. to save his own life to be fair but he's definitely a criminal yes. like this, but he's like a lovely charming funny guy criminal yeah. um, who decides to go to Bombay and instantly kind of makes friends with a local who kind of has kind of just I'm just going to make friends with you seemingly the local it's like mm. and kind of get involved with your life and then he kind of gets involved um, in the first episode um, with local kind of criminal elements and like gang elements and mm. it gets a bit shady and he agrees to help certain characters with certain kind of shady dealings and um, plots and presumably this series, by the way, is not eight episodes, Kay. Nor is it even ten episodes. Yeah. It's twelve <laughs> it's long. fucking episodes. This is epic. And I and all I just came away from the first episode. I enjoyed it. I think Charlie's Charlie's really good. Charlie Ellen's really good. I think it's a classic. As we always say about Apple TV plus shows, they look phenomenal. It looks beautiful. The clearly actually shot in India and the and the landscapes and the um uh the the, the, the location footage is fantastic. Um, everyone in it is really intriguing, the characters. By the end of the first episode, I couldn't quote. It, it almost felt like a mixture of like a travelogue kind of show. <laughs> Hence your reference to reading, you know, 
yeah, people I've seen so many people travelers. reading this yeah. on planes on holidays. Yeah. yeah, and like kind of gangster crime thrillery kind of element to it that feels a little bit forced to me. Like so, I mean, I've only oh, watched see, the first I episode. It okay, oh, but quite how they're going to milk another eleven hours <laughs> well, out of this? Listen. I cannot. Imagine. I'm not condoning it. I'm not condoning it being 12 um, episodes long because I think they should have done it. You know, maybe in 10. Uh, but to put it in context, the novel is 900 plus pages. Right. So there's a lot of source material yeah. to work with, and a lot of its brilliance is in its sort of its detail mm. and its um, the intensity of like the the drama and the emotions and stuff like that. So I think they've done a great job at um, adapting this. Now, bearing in mind that it's been in the pipeline for 19 years. <laughs> Um, yeah. I'm just happy that Apple's actually committed to doing it. But yeah, is it too long? Yes. Is it beautiful to look at? Is it faithful to the original? Yes. And um, I think I, I didn't have a problem with his accent. I just thought Charlie Hunnam was the perfect person to play Lynn Ford, um, which is... Uh, so we should say the author, Gregory David Roberts, this is based on his kind of own story. He was a former heroin addict um, who escaped a maximum prison in Australia and then went on this... Did they just forgive him? When he started writing books. Mm, yeah. It's a novel. Uh, the book is a novel. Isn't it? yes, it's not a it memoir. Is, no, 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 no. Yeah. It is, okay. But it's loosely based. Sure, yeah, yeah. Because there's one character who you refer to called Prabhaka who makes, um, Prabhu, who makes friends with Lin immediately when he comes to Bombay and then is a recurring figure in this epic story. And um, I love that character. And I got to the end of the book and I was like obsessively Googling as you do. And then I found out he was kind of a work of fiction, like an amalgamation of all the yeah. people that Lin had did made. You feel, did you feel let down? I felt devastated. No, God. Yeah, wow. That's the truth of it. But um, yeah, yeah, he is the best character. Absolutely. Yeah, he's really yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only problem I had was so much the accent. There's a lot of voiceover from, yes, well, in, from him in that accent. Well, the accent, to be fair, his Kiwi accent, I can't really pick too many holes in, but there's a bit where he shows off his accent prowess to a group of people around a table and starts doing yes. Dirty Harry, a yes, bunch of others. Right. Uh, and I did, it has to be said, crawl under the sofa and die when he did that because I was, yeah. I, this is excruciating because, <laughs> like, you know, if you're going to do a, hi, I'm Billy Big Bollocks, I can do these amazing, flawless American accents. Let's not forget that you just did a job. Accent, right? yeah, true, but I am not coming. <laughs> He's not starring I'm not in a thirty million dollar American. Nor Apple am TV. I saying to you, I like Marcus Brody can fit in among the natives. I can seamlessly <laughs> walk through Newcastle, and everyone would just assume that's where I'm from. Like I would stick out like a fucking sore thumb. Let's mm-hmm. be honest. So okay, yeah. fine. But yeah, this is good, and it looks so expensive. Yeah, it's lavish. Um, to use Boyd's words, it looks lavish. Oh, it's lavish. Oh, God, it's lavish. So lavish. Yeah. Yeah. All the lavishness. Full, full lavish. Uh, lots of lovely location shots. It's, I mean, it's beautiful. It is mm. beautiful to look at. And I want to see more of it, because there's something about the world and Bombay and the setting. that It has a sort of a, a sort of a dreamy, exotic quality, mm-hmm. where it feels... It's the next best thing to going on holiday, is what I'm saying. Bombay's so. brilliant. And also, yeah. can I just tell you a fact about Charlie Hunnam that we have in common? He also got dengue fever, Boyd. <laughs> he did. Wow. He did. Well, he's, yeah. he's been interviewed about that recently. He's also put his back out on uh, yeah. on the news. Zack Snyder film. Well, but, yeah. well so, Why has Boyd had dengue fever? No, no. chaos. Oh, you've had dengue yeah. fever. Yeah. yeah. So is, um, it, was this what you told Boyd when you didn't turn up for work one week? <laughs> no, I was really sick. Yeah. No, I was very yeah. sick with it. But yeah. Yeah, it's a so. whole saga. Kay's alluding to. Yeah, don't worry. All about right, it. Yeah. we'll save that for another podcast yeah. because we've yeah. run we'll out of time in this particular studio. Yes, we'll do a special dengue fever special. Right. Okay, that is Shantran, which comes to Apple TV Plus on Friday. Also out this week, we have presumably some other things. We've got Monstrous, which is a Korean horror on Sky Sci-Fi, which starts on the 11th. 
we have, oh, Resident Alien Season 2B. So the second part of the second season of a show that I didn't like. No one cares. That starts on the 14th, you know, if you feel that way inclined. Uh, What else? The second part of the sixth season of Vikings. I mean, that's aired ages ago, but this is now on history, even though it aired on Amazon Prime previously. I'm just rambling at this point. Is there anything actually relevant? There's loads of other stuff. Okay, tell us. Amazon Freebies High School, which is their um, Tegan and Sarah uh, show. They are recording at uh, Tegan and Sarah. I'm sure you know James. Tegan. Was it Tegan? Tegan, Tegan. Um, uh, that's on Amazon Freebie from Thursday the 14th. Right. Uh, the Watcher, which is um, which is Ryan Murphy's yes. one that's fitted in between Dharma and American Horror yeah, Story. Yeah, yeah. That is another true story um, with an extraordinary cast. Bobby Cannavale, Naomi Watts, Mia fucking Farrow is in it. Sorry for the swearing. Um, that's on Netflix on Thursday. Won't allow any screeners. Um, you be the judge. I Hate You is the new sitcom from the creator of Friday Night Dinner, Robert Popper, who I love. Um, and um, it's a fun show. That starts on Thursday on Channel 4. Maxine is a Channel 5 drama about the Soham um, case uh, with uh, about Ian Huntley, etc. That is a kind of true crime drama. We were talking about that. That's on Channel 5 Monday to Wednesday. Candy is a Disney Plus show on Wednesday the 12th that, we, that did have screeners for. The star Jessica Beale. It's also true crime. Uh, Jessica Beal, Melanie Linsky from Yellow Jackets, mm. and fucking Justin Timberlake, okay. Jessica Beal's actual to, husband. We need to get a handle on... For, before anyone complains about swearing on an Apple pod review, please know that from next week we will try and swear less. There's nothing wrong with Will we though? Will, will we, we though? though? No. <laughs> I'm finished yet. Babylon Berlin, new series. People love Babylon Berlin. Um, and that starts on Friday on Sky Atlantic, um, season four, I believe, set in the 1930s in Berlin during the rise of the Nazis. And that is it, I think. Okay, what is our pick of the week? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I think the ex-wife. Boyd says the ex-wife. I'm going to say Shantaram just because I love the book. Kay says Shantaram. So I guess that leaves me to say The Midnight Club just to be contrary. Uh, I mean, in many ways, I wonder why we even have Pick of the Week because we never agree on it. But there we go. Oh, we did last week on The Bear. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so we often agree. Okay. So <laughs> disregard that. Yeah. But that's it for this week's show. Uh, if you'd like to leave us a five-star rating, please do so on Apple Podcasts or the platform of your choice. And if you want to leave us a lower rating than that, just don't, okay? <laughs> just write in, drop it on Twitter, and let's have a proper discussion like grown-ups. Uh, as ever, you can find us on Twitter and indeed on Instagram at Pilot TV Pod, at James C. Dyer, at Boyd Hilton, and at Kate Ribeiro. On next week's show, we'll be up to our armpits in Claret for season two of Gangs of London, for which star Chopin Dorisu will be joining us on the show. Plus, there's Chloe Grace Moretz's new sci-fi show, The Peripheral, which is on Prime. War of the Worlds is back. Uh, the Stephen King adaptation, Chapel Wait, is coming to Paramount+. Plus. Uh, so we'll be doing some of those, most likely. Now, if you will excuse me, I have dragons to reacquaint myself with. Dracarys, pilot out. <laughs> 